Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate team mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Okay, so this week I have a very special guest. Somebody who is, I would say, on my level as far as uh, being what I like to refer myself as is a teen mom scholar. Her name is Tomlin, and she's, you know, a little famous in the teen mom fandom world, if you will, because she used to be a writer on what was, I would say, the biggest teen mom news site, maybe second after the Ashley Although they're like kind of different, but she used to write on Teen Mom Junkies. So Tomlin, please introduce yourself. Hello, everybody. I am your friendly neighborhood weirdo here to talk about Teen Mom with you guys, and I'm so excited. I hope you guys like me. Don't don't flame me on Reddit. That would hurt my heart. <laughs> so yeah, to, how long did you write for Teen Mom? Just if you want to explain Teen Mom Junkies a little bit and like kind of what it was, how long you wrote for it. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I know that this is like, I did an AMA about this on Meta Teen Mom, but then I nuked the account that I did it with because I used to post on other subreddits and it was just a little too messy for me. <laughs> After like 30,000 karma, you got to peel back. But um, for anybody who didn't catch like the whole story behind what happened, Teen Mom Junkies was a website that got started in around like I don't know if it was as early as 2009, because that would have been really, really early in the show. But I know, yeah, it was active in 2011. And that's when I got on the site. It was definitely a lot slower, but Teen Mom News was not what it was today. Mm -hmm. So it was like a really good platform just to poke in, see what's going on. And funny story, because we're talking about Teen Mom 2, the reason that I really, because I knew Teen Mom Junkies existed, but the reason that I got in deep with it and like made a username, I was Janelle's fifth baby daddy, who we are actually on at this point in the show. I'm so fucking mad that the website doesn't exist. <laughs> well, it exists, but it's fucking terrible. I yeah. mean, no offense it to you It doesn't exist, let's be honest. <laughs> it's not on the radar of the Teen Mom world, but... um. The reason that I really got involved with TMJ and became a steady commenter is because Teen Mom 3 was on the air, and I hated Brianna. Like, everything (laughs) about her made me so upset. Her segments were just, like, a different kind of infuriating. Like, Janelle and, like, some of the other, like, moms do things that make you, like, upset on a level, like, for their children. But I just hated that Brianna didn't have brain function. Like, correct. And so I got into things with it. I'm talking forever about this. But basically, I became a commenter. Megan, who was like the biggest writer on TMJ, was kind of moving on with her life, uh, getting married, doing all of that real adult stuff. And I had nothing but time on my hands as I finished up college. So when Steve Beans, the owner, was asking for new writers, I sent him a writing sample over and he liked the way I did things. And over time, there were a bunch of writers. It was like the Hunger Games over there for a minute. You guys can be so brutal sometimes. But after a while, myself and another writer, Andrea, were kind of like the last two who were consistently posting. And it was a really nice time. It was about a year and a half. And 
after I graduated college and the site got sold, things got weird, but people still show me a lot of love from those old times. I really love TMJ for what it was and when it was, and here I am today. Yeah, it was like, um, it was a discussion-based website. So, like, somebody would post an article, and, like, people would comment on the article, but the article was really, like, sometimes they would just, like, post a picture as, like, a place, like, there didn't even really need to be an article. It was basically just, like, a place for a ton of people to discuss. And there were a lot of users, and you could make up uh, burner accounts and, like, usernames. It's kind of like a Gawker Jezebel like not in content, but like the way that like the comments really fuel uh, the website, and that it was like a pretty strong community. My first username was Is Kyle Slow, and then my second username was Leah Spending Problem, and my user picture was just like a picture of an oxycotton pill. <laughs> so it was like it was just like a fun place. It was kind of mean spirited, but it was kind of the Team Mom Central gossip place for four or five years. For a while. It had its run, for sure. Yeah, and then the it sold, and a lot of the writers fell off. And it's funny, like, a couple months ago, I was reading an Oh No, They Didn't, which you guys know is, like, my... I mean, I'm an OG live journal user and still go on live journal to read celebrity gossip. And um, somebody had commented like their friend had written for a team mom site and like didn't know all the facts and like got torn apart. And I was like, oh, that was definitely teen mom junkies. Like, oh, <laughs> Nikki, <laughs> I love you, Nikki, wherever you are. So yeah, it was like the writers were expected to have as much knowledge as the commenters. And it was like, it was a fun place. And you know, there'd be live episode discussions, but yeah, so Tomlin then came to Reddit. We basically everybody from Team Mom Junkies migrated to Reddit, uh, and now we are internet friends. I love it. I am one of those people who's been making internet friends since the internet was a scary place. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just great. It's Same. great that Team Mom can connect people. I was talking to a friend and telling her that I was going to do this podcast, and she was like, that's so great that you guys maintain your passions outside of work. And I was like, Jesus Christ, Team Mom is my passion. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Like, I'm laughing, but that that is correct. <laughs> hey, guys, there's a little change in audio right here because I had to call Tomlin via her cell phone because her Skype was acting up. Thanks for bearing with me. Okay, so... You are a, you're above me in your Teen Mom Scholar Dome in that you read the Teen Mom books. I do. I have read a number of them. Not all of them, but I, I'm pretty, I think I'm about like half. Like they, we put together an anthology. <laughs> so who have you read? I have read Macy's first book. I read Farrah's book, which honestly, people say that that is a terrible book, but I I thought it had its moments. <laughs> um, I read Deborah's book, which is pure gold. Like, oh my, it should have a fucking Pulitzer. It needs to have five stars on Amazon. My life's goal is to make that happen. Uh, I read half of Caitlin and Tyler's online, but I just, I didn't like them going back and forth like, early 2000s, like, rap songs in the writing. So I didn't finish it. And I read, I read like, half of Amber's, too. But, again, she just lost me because she kept calling, like, Gary her fiancé, and I it, it just bothered me. Uh, Janelle does that a lot in this book. 
She definitely does, and the weird name changes. Like we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. But I hate it. So I don't read the Teen Mom books. It's just like, and I'm a like I'm somebody that reads. You know, it's not because like I just don't like to read. It's just I don't know, like a bridge too far. But I did decide that I was going to read this Janelle book, and I was going to do it for the podcast. And I paid ten American dollars for it, which hurts me physically. But you know what? I figure like. I've been entertained by Janelle for 10 years now, and if she probably deserves $10. (laughs) That's fair. That's really big of you, Liz. You have such a heart. I mean, truly. And then I um, figured out how to illegally convert it to a PDF, and I sent it to Tomlin. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was not willing to make that leap. I think we, we are matched. And, well, I guess you think that I'm above you in being a teen scholar, a teen mom scholar, teen scholar, I wish. <laughs> but I think that you, like, if we had degrees, you would have, like, a minor in Janelle. Like, That's you would true. have really refined Janelle knowledge that I just don't have. So you were probably, like, breezing through this. And I was just like, what is this timeline that is happening here? Oh, my God. I would say that's 100% correct because for a long time I, like, I cared about the other team moms. Like, I watched the show, and I would read recaps. But, like, I just didn't care that much to, like, get into it. But, like, it was always, like, Janelle. You know, it's all... (laughs) Janelle has always been my number one. And so, like, I'm deeply, deeply versed on Janelle stuff. Where, like, with Amber, I used to not, like, care about her. Caitlin and Tyler, I would probably have to do, like, extensive research to follow their book. Like, I just... (laughs) For whatever reason, and the Janelle knowledge just, like, won't leave my head. Like, no matter what. <laughs> Janelle is special. Like, I was definitely never in, like, the Twitter, like, hatter zone that they have. But she's just so popular to hate on no matter what platform you were on. And yeah. the other girls just weren't giving you the reasons in yeah. the early seasons. Well, you know Jan- what I mean? Because Janelle's an internet person. That's why it is. Because Janelle loves the internet like we do. one of us. Exactly. And the other girls, like, don't care about being on the internet. But Janelle was, like, in AOL chat room since she could walk. Like. I feel like, and this is, like, honestly, I don't, I'm not going to spend this fucking podcast caping for Janelle. Because that book was a dumpster fire. And I'm pretty sure she stole some IQ points from me. Yes. But, like, certain things, like, the things that I don't think Janelle meant to be poignant were like touching to me which says a lot about Janelle but I think the fact that she's an internet person kind of tells me a lot about her personality because I'm definitely like you know prone to being depressive and even though I'm like friendly and outgoing and I'm on fucking podcasts with people I'm definitely more introverted yeah I mean I, I feel like that kind of thing tells you a lot about a person so it kind of gives me like um, like a starting ground together with Janelle where I just score too high for her to catch up. But absolutely. I think like it should go without saying like it's eight fifty two on a Friday night. And I was like, Hey, can you record a podcast on Friday night? And you're like, yeah, like, <laughs> cause we're both like, this is what we're going to do on a Friday night. Like I, it's so funny. I have, um, like a 12 step commitment. That's on a, it's every other Friday. And people are always like, I can't believe you have that Friday commitment. Like, that's so great of you. And I'm like, oh my, can you believe it? Like, like what else am I doing? Recording a podcast. 
news. I I was like, oh, I can totally record at eight thirty. I just have to make sure that I get out of work before eight o'clock. Like, <laughs> this is what I do. All right. So Janelle's book is called "Read Between the Lines: A Diary, The Diary of a Teenage Mom." Um, I hate. I literally use did the word not know teenage. that until you just said it. Janelle is forever mentally 15 years old. Yeah. Forever endeavor. It doesn't surprise me. Absolutely. And the basis of this book is that she was moving and found her old diaries and decided that they would make a great book, which, uh, first of all, is a lie because she's been posting, like, fucking uh, pictures of her old diaries, like, old diary entries from when she was a kid on Twitter for, like, five years. So please, like, miss me with this, like, origin story that she comes up with like i was recently moving boxes like bitch like stop hold on wait pause can we take a moment and address the fact that while the i really i feel like the other teen moms wrote an outline of what they wanted their book to be like and a ghostwriter wrote it for them yeah i truly believe janelle gave this ghostwriter those diary entries and the ghostwriter watched the like a few like episodes of teen mom on hulu and just wrote in the rest like i don't even think janelle's ever had a conversation with yes. this woman so i would describe the stuff i don't know who to side eye <laughs> i would describe this book as written by i mean the co-author is like a 30 or 40 year old woman but how i would say this was written was by a 50 something man pretending to be a 25 year old trying to explain what it's like to be a 13 year old girl I feel like that is a good assessment. I feel like somebody took a novel by Kathy Glass. Only like eight people in the world will know who that is, but it's okay. And just like put it in a blender and piece together the parts that sounded good. And that's what read between the lines are. <laughs> so the basis of this book is that Janelle is a longtime journal writer, which I'm going to rant about in one second. But so she's kept a journal her whole life and they like post, they put the actual journal entries in and then give context to the journal entries. But the context is so unnecessary because I will say Janelle was quite straightforward in her journal entries. Cause she writes a journal, like she's talking to somebody. And so she'll like explain out everything. She's like, and now I'm seeing this guy, not mm -hmm. just like, she doesn't just dip into people's names. Like, in her journal, she, like, legit will give you, like, a full story of who each person is. But the thing that really grinds my gears about this whole concept is that they literally post all of her journal entries in this book. And there's, like, 15 of them that she took over the course of 10 years. And there would be, like, a year and a half long gap. But she would constantly be like... Well, in tough times, I turn back to my number one love, writing in diaries. And I'm like, what? Like, I have always been awful at keeping journals. Like, it's something that I've, I've always, like, seen myself as somebody who keeps a diary, but, like, can't actually do it. And You're telling my life story right now. Even <laughs> I, like, have at least probably 150 live journal entries. You know what I, like... They're, they're not very interesting, although I read some the other night and actually, like, kind of spiraled. They were really fucking upsetting and depressing <laughs> from, when, oh from when I was 20. They were, like, so fucking sad, dude. Like, I was, like, crying reading along with them because they were so sad. 
But the, the no one is, has like happy live journal entries. No. Like live journal was a place for dark rimmed glasses and tears and Hawthorne Heights albums. It, exactly. And but the the fact is like I'm like a shitty shitty diary writer. And there's no way I have less than 150 entries. You know what I mean? Like, and that's somebody that wasn't good at writing diaries. And like, I'm supposed to believe like Janelle is like the one constant in her life is like writing in her diary. And she would write like a paragraph. And then like the next entry would be a paragraph from 18 months later. (laughs) Okay. This is a cut. I feel, and this is a weird thought, but follow me everyone. Okay. I feel like, Janelle should have given this concept to Macy and Macy should have given the bulletproof shit to Janelle. I did not read bulletproof, but I agree that this should have been Macy's concept because I believe Macy keeps a diary. Bulletproof. Like there was nothing. Macy has never seen no fucking bullets. Like, (laughs) I don't, that was, that is like, I don't know what else to say about it. The whole thing is that like, she's tough and she can survive so much, but like, I'm not, I've never had, like, a kid or, like, Ryan as my baby daddy, so I'm really not trying to shit on other people's hard times and everything, but Macy has not, like, really been through the shit. Like, Janelle, in in this book, in this, like, quick gloss over of her entire life, like, Janelle could tell me she's fucking bulletproof, and I would believe her. She's goddamn Teflon. She's never been to jail, like. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you, and also, um... It's just never been, well, she's just, she's not a writer. And, like, it's just so weird that, like, the concept of this, I mean, obviously this was the easiest way for her to write a book. <laughs> like, that that's what it is. <laughs> like, that this was the simplest way to write a book was to copy and paste pictures of Janelle's diary entry into a book, and then she can explain what AIM is to us. <laughs> So, like, oh, the ghostwriting context parts where we have to be constantly reminded that Janelle is a teenage girl in the entries are just, I I can't. Just go on. So I want to go over some of my favorite concepts, quotes. I took a bunch of them, but um, one of my favorite things is that this writer clearly did not recently talk to Janelle about Barbara (laughs) because a lot of the times, like she's saying bad stuff about Barbara, but she always follows it up with like, but I know my mom loved me. I know my mom did what was best. And I think what happened was they did actually have some conversations, Janelle and the writer and the writer would be like, yeah, but you know, your mom did what was best. Right. And Janelle would be like, yeah, yeah, she she did. Like, <laughs> and that's pretty much the perfect summary of it. Like, I can feel the author interjecting what she thinks someone in Janelle's situation now has to feel would think if they have actually like achieved yeah. real growth. Not that Janelle hasn't grown at all, but she's. She's writing this like she's like a 35-year-old married, like, mother of two and a half children sitting on her veranda, like, <laughs> sipping, exactly. like, Earl Grey tea in the morning. <laughs> exactly. She's still on reality TV. Like, what is this? Well, the writer wrote this. What is her name? It's right here at the end. Hold on. Her name is, like, Tanya. It's like, Tony. Yeah, something. I, I, like, I'm like, oh, fuck it. I don't care. Because truly, I don't. But... <laughs> 
she like clearly is writing this as if Janelle is a person that has like a soul and like cares about other people and like what like a person that like you know like when you as like a rational person will try and look at an irrational person's actions and be like there's no way they're actually doing that because like it doesn't make any sense like if you are a sober person looking at someone in an active addiction you're like that doesn't make any sense what they're doing. But to the per like, but the person active addiction is doing it. You just have a rational mind. So like you can't imagine that. I feel like that's that the is writer. Such a good analogy. And the yes, writer no. like just didn't like she was like, but my mom's really trying her hardest. You know, like looking back, like I understand why she did everything. But then Janelle is like on TV this week, like literally saying, like, I fucking hate my mom and she stole Jace from me. <laughs> The the whole soul Jace took Jace, like, I, I really thought that I would be ready to tackle that after watching this unfold on TV for, like, what, eight years now? Mm-hmm. But that still just grinds my gears in, like, a special way. The whole Barbara took Jace from me and my mom just took over, like, we watched... I listened to the episode about the 16 and pregnant episode for Janelle, just in case I forgot. Yeah, well, this is how Janelle describes it the first time in the what? book. Again, if you watch the show, you know how I fell into the trap of signing over the custody of my son, Jace. I thought I was doing so so I could get my life back on track and regain custody of my son. I made a lot of easy missteps and stupid mistakes, but I tried my hardest to do right by him. In the end, it didn't matter. The courts awarded her full custody and she has retained rights ever since. It has been a nightmarish battle to get him back into my home in arms. Even though I have other children who are doing perfectly fine, they won't give him back to me. It hurts my heart when I think about it, and I think about it every day. I could fill this book with descriptions of my heartache, but let me stop before I get started. This book isn't about the Janelle of today. This book is about the Janelle of years ago. (sighs) First of all, this is so classic because it's just about Janelle. Like, she mentioned Jace one time. I want you to know that, like, when I read that part of the book, I, like, literally, like, I wanted to buckle myself in to my bed where I was reading it because I was like, it's going to be this kind of story. Yeah. I mean, the fact that she said she was trapped into signing over custody of her son and that she made a lot of easy missteps. In her defense, they are really easy decisions to make because they're not what you're supposed to be doing. Like, the things that you're not supposed to do are always easier. That's why you're not supposed to do them. It's just, and also the fact that she says it's been a battle to get him back when they literally went to court for the first time in eight years this year. I mean, she had to get a lawyer and then not do anything all those different times, Liz. <laughs> so the bu- the first, like, little part of the book is her childhood diary from when she lives in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And we hear about her dad and how her dad is a piece of shit. And we hear about her mom and how her mom is mean. And we hear about her sister, who is, I will go on record and say, Ashley Evans is crazier than Janelle Evans. I feel confident saying that. She's a fucking lunatic. And we also hear about Colin, who set their house on fire because he was lighting bugs on fire. 
And it set their house on fire. And he was like 10, not like six. (laughs) So when Janelle Evans is probably the most mentally stable in a household, is it really hard to imagine why she is the way she is? That was kind of my main takeaway from the entire book. Yeah. Oh, she like is 100%. I'm so mad. Ashley used to have these like one and a half hour long YouTube videos up. That would be, like, telling the truth about Janelle. But really, she would just, like, show pictures of the house, like, her ex-husband destroyed. Like, they were so fucking crazy. And she, like, could never stay on topic. She deleted them, which is, like, really rude of her. Because I've been, like, wanting to show them to people lately. And I can't. Hold on. On the topic of Ashley, I don't know if you remember this. And I don't even 100% remember where I saw it. But I'm pretty sure it was on Reddit. But somebody who was as crazy as me made an album on Imager. I'm pretty sure it was Reddit because it was on fucking Imager. Yeah. But um, they made an album of, like, 120, like, screenshots from Ashley's social media. I love and that. And it was a wild ride from her, like, faking a pregnancy How so that people her? would send her stuff, like, to her baby Atlas and the crazy story of his dad. Um, How about the time she went onto her Facebook pretending to be a friend and say, Ashley tried to kill herself and she's being uh, heliported to the hospital and her mom and ex-husband won't answer the phone. Send help, send help, send help. Um, But it was Ashley. That's not funny when it happens to people, but like you had to put all of the extras on it. Yeah. Like you, she couldn't just be like trying to get in touch with my ex and I think at this time, her ex had kidnapped her youngest child. <laughs> and that's why he wouldn't answer the phone, according to her. But Ashley is, like, really next level out of her skull. And um, Janelle and Ashley never got along, ever. And honestly, like, the beginning is just sad because it's just Janelle, like, like, just wanting a normal family. Like, she said something that really stuck with me that people gave her shit for when, like, the excerpts were coming out. But I got what she meant when she was like, we never went on a family vacation. Like, we never had a nice memory. And I believe, like, I don't think she was saying, like, my fucking parents wouldn't take me anywhere, those assholes. But, like, I don't think, I don't think Barbara and her dad, and then after her dad left, Barbara, like, put much effort into, like, having happy family memories. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Barbara, for all of the good that she's done, even if even if we are not believing Janelle's 100% sincere version <laughs> of her life story, it's been made clear to us over the past eight years that like, while Barbara clearly loves and cares about Janelle and all of her children, she has issues with expressing it. Yeah. And Janelle has the same thing, like... I'm sorry to, like, bring up Reddit and stuff a million times here, but, like, you left a comment the other day that said, like, it alarms me that Janelle doesn't have a soft voice for her children or something like that. Because most people do. When you talk to a child, you don't talk to them like they're an idiot or a baby, but you soften your voice so that they can clearly... how are you? Yeah, they they know what the mood is so that when your voice isn't nice anymore, they know, okay... Let's reevaluate. But Janelle is monotone in her entire life. Like everything we've ever seen from her in the angriest moments, she is monotone, super loud. Yes. So 
that that has to be learned from somewhere. And Barbara is clearly like unable to express love in the cuddly way. They don't speak the same love language. Like Janelle needs love and reassurance and positive feedback, even when she's done like the bare minimum. Yes, I and Barbara can't agree. give that to her. So she, like I don't expect a woman like Barbara who's driving a school bus, who's working at Walmart, who's doing like. Mm-hmm. you know, what she can to get by to place value on taking her kids on vacation and hugging them and letting them know they're loved every day because she thinks that, like, I'm out here busting my fucking ass trying to give these kids... I, they don't have a dad. I'm doing it all by myself. Like, they don't see that I'm trying my best for them. They don't see that I love them that much. I could sit around and not do anything. Yeah, like, that house that uh, Barbara and Janelle lived in on uh, Janelle 16 and Pregnant and, like, early in the seasons, like, Barbara owned that house. In Oak it's a Island. cute house too. It's a nice little house. That was like a three bedroom home that Barbara owned, and she was a single mother. Like she did have her boyfriend in the picture, but he was a construction worker. Like they owned that house. You know what I mean? And like Barbara, I think like I've definitely discussed this before. Like Barbara shows love by showing up every day and like going to work every day and making sure people have what they need. But beyond that, she's not very good at showing that she loves people. <laughs> Yeah, and I really do think that that kind of thing, like, some people are naturally, you know, not super close and cuddly, like Macy, for example, is not, like, all over a boyfriend, but, like, you can tell that when she cares about somebody and wants to be there for somebody, and, like, Babs just doesn't have that same thing, and I think it's because it's a learned behavior. Like, you learn to show affection in certain ways. My mom had trouble, like, giving me lots of hugs when I was a kid because she was raised in the 60s when her parents didn't give hugs. Yeah, we also learned that uh, Barbara has a brother that is also... Colin has schizophrenia, but Janelle doesn't say it in the book, and even at one point says, like, her siblings are too messed up to get into, and I'm like, bitch, this is a memoir. Like, get into it. (laughs) Like, that's literally the point of this, like, (laughs) to, like, get into their issues. Like, there were multiple times in this memoir that Janelle wrote, like, but it's too much to explain. Like. (laughs) But it would all require talking about other people who aren't Janelle. And I think you're kind of, like, misunderstanding. That's true. I'm misunderstanding the point. You're absolutely right. But that's just like, I'm a memoirs are like my favorite genre. And like, you don't see like David Sedaris writing like, but that's neither here nor there. Like, it's all here in there. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I'm reading this to like get the stupid details that nobody cares about. I can't believe we waited eight years because people like people on Twitter, people on Tumblr, people everywhere have been waiting for Janelle memoir for like, she's been on TV eight years for four years. We've been kind of like, come on girl, where is the tea? And it's just like, this is stuff that anyone with a Twitter account in 2011 would know. It's a hundred percent. Although it's really funny because Gary head, who is an ex-boyfriend and she talks about later in the book was like tweeting yesterday. He was like mad he was included, which like miss me with that. You racist, abusive piece of shit. I don't care what you have to say. And some of the people were like saying that she was lying. And I was like, we're even some of like the biggest like Janelle Twitter accounts that have like 5,000 followers and like posts about her constantly. And I'm like, were you not on Twitter in 2011? And they were like, no. And I was like, oh, that's why you don't know that this is true. (laughs) Because we like literally witnessed all of this happen. Like Janelle did not expose anything. (laughs) 
Oh my God. Janelle, if anything, was tame in her description of a lot of the goings on. But even as far back as when it actually happened, like people were always weirdly doubtful of like her whole thing with Gary. And over the years, Gary has shown himself on the internet of his own volition yeah. to like not be yeah. a good person. Yeah. Like even like even Nathan was honorably discharged from the Marines and Gary wasn't. That should really tell you something. Nathan got a DUI on like a Marine base, didn't mm-hmm. he? <laughs> like so Gary is just not the greatest guy, but people are so willing to believe the absolute worst of Janelle that people have like asserted that she made up all of the abuse between the two of them. But yeah. then in this book she cops to like you know, wanting to beat the shit out of Kiefer, wanting to, like, beat up her boyfriend, punching Gary the night he strangled her. So it's just like, no, I think it's possible for these two people to just be that fucked up. That's yeah. probably why they found each of other. Course it, of course it happened. Of course it happened. This is Janelle. Like, I, anybody, to me, what's crazy is that anybody would, did, like, ever doubt that Janelle's boyfriends are physically abusive. If You see, I think some people... And I don't know how to phrase this, but I'm going to try my best to articulate it. I was watching an episode of Addicted. It was kind of like a bootleg intervention that came on for a few years. <laughs> I think it's on TLC. And something like that yeah. with Christina Wanzelak. Hey, girl. But <laughs> we, I was watching an episode with a guy friend of mine. And, like, a girl in the episode was, like, living in the Bay Area doing meth, and, like, the interventionist, like, took her to meet this lady who was, like, a professional, I don't know if there's a good word for it, but crack whore, like, she was selling her body for drugs. Mm -hmm. And it was very sad, but the lady was very smart and intelligent and was trying to lead this young girl, like, away from this path because she was like, it gets real over here, girl. Yeah. And... The lady did not look like she was doing well at all. And my friend was, she told the story about how, like, um, she caught a date and this guy, like, beat her up and ransacked her house. And my guy friend who I was watching it with was like, you know what the fucked up part is? People who, like, fuck with her and do that kind of stuff with her are, like, they're not people looking for an opportunity. They're people seeking out a person that's that vulnerable that they know they can abuse. Like, they get off the lower somebody is. To, like, fucking with them. And I feel like a lot of people don't, like, most people are in their hearts and souls not terrible. I won't say good, but most people don't want to just needlessly inflict pain on people. So I feel like there's just so much misunderstanding that, like, even people who aren't terrible down to their core have problems that cause them to just gravitate towards people that they can somehow elevate themselves over yeah in whatever form it comes in it's just like for me it's just it's so easy to believe janelle because it's like i don't see a world in which janelle has a boyfriend that isn't physically abusive basically you know like those are the type of men that she gets with it just is it's fucking sad and people will go out of their way to like pick apart everything single thing she says about it and like yeah maybe it's mutually abusive but like janelle doesn't have healthy relationships you know like she just doesn't and people will still say that nate didn't beat her up even though he's been arrested twice in two months for breaking into his ex-girlfriend's house and strangling her in her bed which is one of the biggest indicators that an abuser is likely to kill somebody like yeah you can strangle somebody to death without even meaning to. So do I believe that Nathan got mad and, you know, 
smack Janelle one time. Like, that's something I have the urge to do when somebody irritates me, like, on the train to work. So (laughs) why would it be crazy to think that an alcoholic who has prior domestic violence charges, who has whatever new batch of fun Janelle is working for uh, on for us is, is crazy to me. Like, I don't care if Janelle hits them back. No one should be fucking hitting anybody. And that's the problem. Exactly. So I want to read this one quote um, about how Janelle describes Barbara. She writes, she seemed to do that run hot and cold on punishment. She would ground me for life one day. Then the next day I was allowed to watch television. Then the next day I could go outside and play. Then the next day I was off the hook. I feel like that's like such a good summary of Barbara. And it's so obvious on the show. Oh, absolutely. And honestly, that part reminded me a lot of my own life. And it just shows you the extreme directions that the same things can lead you. Like, if you watch the show, Janelle, like, there's so many times that Barbara and Janelle, and they both do this because Janelle has learned it from Barbara. They say that they're done with each other. But the truth is they love each other so much that when they get angry and when they get upset with each other and don't think that the other person is caring about themselves or caring about the other person, yeah, they want to do something so extreme to show them how much they care, but it only comes off to the other person as hateful and really ugly. So it doesn't work. Agreed. So the book is like split into three diaries, the kitten diary from when she, like, first moved, or was first moving from Scranton to uh, North Carolina. Then there's the doll diary, which I just wanted to read this because it goes back to my point of, like, Janelle doesn't actually keep diaries. And it says, but this has more than three times the entries. But the kitten diary only had three entries. So it's like, cool, this diary had nine entries, and I'm supposed to be impressed? Like... It's like when you get a bag of chips and it's half air and it's like, oh, 50% more. Yeah. Gee, thanks. Yeah, exactly. Um, Oh, I want to read this one because it's just so obvious that Janelle um, would never write this. That was my youth. Those were my teenage years. That was when I was a young adult. These are my early 20s. Someday, I will say that was my late 30s, early 40s, mid 50s. We catalog time, we catalog time in blocks of 5, 10, even 20 years of experience. What? Janelle would never use the word catalog. No. And going back to the very first quote you read, Janelle would never use the word retain. Yeah. Like she just wouldn't. She would say kept. Janelle would say kept because she is Correct. Nothing. She is, she's a habitual liar, but she's real. She shows her real self. And she's not over here taking legal writing 101. Yeah, here's another one from... Because we retained custody. Here's another good one from a long-time self-proclaimed atheist. I find God in everything I see, in the people I meet. I see God in my kids, in my family, in our love for one another, not in a building. Talking about church. What? Like, why is, why is she writing, like, a John Legend song? <laughs> it's just so... But there, you know, I will say, I think the ghostwriter really had her pegged. Although she's not a ghostwriter. Like, she's credited on the book. But um, I don't think Janelle realizes this. Or she, like, realizes it in the past, but, like, truly doesn't understand that she's still doing it. But... She does repeatedly talk about the fact that, like, she only has value in herself through other people. 
And I mean, it's crazy because she's like, I've since learned to stop doing that. And it's like, you haven't. But like here she says, by now I learned to measure my value through my contact with others. When I didn't have someone to focus on who liked me, my boyfriend or best friend, I felt worthless. And like that made me feel sad because like she still does that. (laughs) Yeah, like this is what I was saying earlier about her talking about this. Like she is just on a next level in her life. Like she's really moved on and like, you know, she passed the medical assisting test in her state and she's like working and Jace is like 18 now. (laughs) She's talking about this like some time has passed and she's really thought about it, but it's just like, Janelle, do you see your relationship with David? Like, I don't even think David is the absolute worst that we've seen Janelle with, but like, you talk about it on here. She isolates herself. She wants to be wrapped up in his world. And it's like, it's almost like she thinks that because everything is going well with her and David right now, and yeah. honestly, they haven't had any of the major hookups or hiccups that are usually present by now in Janelle's relationship. She thinks that she's just like past it all. <laughs> And she told, like, co-author or ghostwriter, whatever you want to call her that. Yeah. And they went with it. But, like, anybody who has ever watched the show is, is like, like, what? Yeah, and it's just... What is happening? That's exactly... And, like, even in the first episode of the season when she's, like, in the parking lot with the producer and she's like, I don't have friends. I don't have mom. I don't have Jace. I don't have family. I don't have... Like, she's, like, listing, like, literally doing exactly what she was describing there, listing her worth in others. It's just, it like, this is what I was saying earlier about the parts that Janelle didn't mean to be things that make you think are the ones that really got me. Because it's just like, Janelle is really this disconnected from what's yes. really going on. And yes. Ghost Rider made, like, no efforts to, like, bring it back down to reality because she was about that check. Like, yeah. and I don't bring, bless you, Tanya Brown, wherever you are, like, I am glad that you are getting whatever you're getting from all of these copies that are sold because this girl is on TV. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> Janelle, shame on you because I don't even think you proofread this. Like, I really don't think you no. read this before it went to publishing. She hasn't read it today. She never read this book. But we have. But I, I really. Have. Yeah, but I don't know what that says about me. Uh, Absolutely. So I thought it was interesting the way like she gives a detailed account of the first time she smokes weed. And she says, I remember feeling really silly and light in both spirit and mind, which I just thought was interesting because um, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, they describe uh, the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once from taking a drink. And it's just, I was like, oh, <laughs> Janelle felt her, like, found her sense of ease and comfort, but from smoking instead of taking a drink. It was just so, like, it was just such drug addict language, but I don't think she realized that she was doing that. Yeah, it's really funny because we get to the other part later where Janelle does some other experimentation with drugs before things got too serious when she was a teenager. And it's just, it's so interesting because you were saying this earlier, but Janelle talks to her diary like it's a person who has never met her. Yeah. Like, yeah. when she, I was young and I kept a diary, I thought I was going to win a Nobel Prize, so I named it Nobel and would, like, write to it like it was an old friend up. who lived in Europe. <laughs> I am such a nerd. Like, it's really kind of sad. 
But yeah, like I thought I was Anne Frank writing to Kitty. Like I would just write to this diary like it was an old friend of mine. But Janelle is just like, like it's somebody she met on like Lipstick Alley. And she's like, okay, girl, here's the tea. (laughs) That's exactly it. (laughs) And just opens up about everything. And she goes through the details like she's telling somebody that she's never met all of this information. And it's, it's so weird because Janelle, as a person, has such little self-awareness. But when she describes her thinking patterns, it's like you're reading out of a fucking textbook. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's just like, I feel this way. I feel worthless. I want to die. I wish I was never born. Nobody loves me. I just really want to take these drugs because I feel like this will make me feel better if I don't have to think of everything. And it's just like, Janelle, like, you're so close to the breakthrough. <laughs> I completely agree. So here's a line that I want to read that is why I feel like it's like a 55-year-old man writing this book. She's oh my desc- God, please. She's describing her boyfriend, William, the one that she smoked pot with. And she says, I hugged and kissed and necked. Like, necking? Yeah. Like, it's the 1950s? Neck. I think I know... No, because doesn't this passage go on to be like, oh, like, I never, like, did anything with William, but but petting got pretty heavy. No, yeah, this I is when she's to, saying that she hasn't um, had sex yet. And I wanted to throw up, Liz. Petting got pretty heavy. Like, wh- I'm reading this about a 15-year-old. Yeah. I felt dirty. This is a full like, entry. Like, on the subway to work. Like, what? <laughs> She says, I may have been a bit boy crazy before this, and I certainly gave my heart away to too many of them, uh, away to each of them far too soon. Why isn't this letting me? Ugh. Sorry. I gave my heart away each of them quickly. I hugged and kissed and necked and generally made out with some of them, yet I never went all generally the way made with a boy until William. Necked? I just, it, it's crazy. Next is crazy, gone all the way. I don't feel like kids say that anymore. Like, I know this was back in, like, 2008, but I really don't think we said go all the way when I was in, like, middle and high school. Because I'm around, I'm, like, I think, am I closer to Janelle's age than you are, or is it Um, vice versa? I think you're, like, right in between me and Janelle. Okay, because I I was born in 93, so I'm 24. Oh, you're young. And Janelle was born... Janelle was born in 91, right? Oh, I thought you were two years older than Janelle. I don't know. So you're, yeah, Why you're closer to Janelle. I always think I'm so old. I don't know. I don't know, Tomlin. Uh, it happens to me a lot. People, when I worked as a lifeguard and I was like 19, people thought I was like 27. And I would be like, what? Yeah. No. So uh, here's another one. When she's describing William, who's like her first like real boyfriend that she like really loves and has sex with. He, like, breaks up with her. She's devastated. It's actually really sad because she talks about how, like, and I think this is something a lot of people can relate to. At least I can relate to it. I think you said you could relate to it, like, where the guy breaks up to you, but then you let him, like, come fuck you because, like, you love him so much. And, like, you'll let him do whatever because, like, you're just so desperate. And she wrote... Too many times. Yeah. I mean, yeah. (laughs) This is not one boyfriend I did this with. She would write... He would still come to me for a quick screw. Like, screw... It's just such weird language. Like, she doesn't say screw. (laughs) The whole thing is 
patently ridiculous. Like, I know that Janelle knows these things and thinks these things, but I feel like Janelle said this offhandedly as one comment, and it got expanded into an entire chapter. <laughs> like, she's like, oh, yeah, you know, he only came over when he wanted to fuck. And then, like, Tanya Brown was like, I can take this and make three Kindle pages. <laughs> Um, Janelle also uses the word lovers a lot throughout this book. She constantly refers to being lovers with her boyfriends. Weirdly, I can almost hear Janelle saying that because like I can hear Janelle like calling somebody like her paramour or something like that because it sounds fancy, but then she'll say it with like, eight eight one-syllable words surrounding by it, and it's just like, what are you doing, Janelle? Like, yeah. What is this sentence supposed to be? Yeah, and she mentions lovers when she's talking about Andrew. So finally, Andrew comes. Oh, and we should mention, like, up until this point, they show the diary entries, and then they do, like, a weird typeface to change the names over the people's names. And uh, it makes me so angry, like irrationally upset. Yeah, because they don't even like try and match it. Like <laughs> it's like literally like no Times New Roman. Like close enough. Like li- so, I work in a law firm, and we still use a typewriter for some stuff, which is like crazy. But um, it and it, it you know like if they have to get into a contract that's like not online. They use a typewriter to, like, fix stuff on a contract because my office is really old school still. And I think a lot of law offices still do this because in case you guys don't know, like, I would say, like, most law offices are still in, like, 2002 (laughs) technology-wise. Like, Oh, my gosh. It depends on what kind of law you're in. I feel like we're solidly in, like, 2012 at my job. Like, not 17. Good. But we're definitely, we're in the 2010s, but it's only because my boss has, like, no patience for any type of minutia that happens. So he's just like, let's let's keep moving forward, like, (laughs) one year every five years. I mean, our, like, the federal district down here in South Florida, like, I'm pretty sure you still can't, like, totally fully e-file like your cases like the law is like extremely behind in case anybody doesn't know this like if you're ever worried about like you know like paper companies running out like don't worry the law is not going paperless like (laughs) don't worry about it I had this fight with one of my best friends when she was saying, like, the Postmaster General was a stupid job because nobody sends mail. And I was like, you do not work at a law firm. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Janelle says, oh, so there's like this literally Times New Roman typeface over the people's names. And it just looks so silly. It just looks so silly. But now Andrew comes into the picture and... She starts fucking, and they get pregnant, which is so crazy. You know, I never would have guessed. Who would know? And she's like, Andrew didn't even care. Like, like he wasn't upset. He wasn't excited. And he and his parents just, like, move away. And she says this weird thing where she says, I never heard from his parents again. And this is how it's so obvious that her ghostwriter didn't even watch the 16 and Pregnant. Because I'm sure when they were talking... The writer was like, so what happened to Andrew's parents? Like, were they involved? And she was like, nah, like, his parents moved away and, like, we didn't really talk. But, like, they did talk because we literally saw her dad, his dad on 16 and Pregnant. Like, 
We saw Barney. So I will never forget that Andrew's dad's name is Barney, but we saw him on 16 and Pregnant, but I would not be surprised if that's the last conversation he ever had with an Evans woman. Yeah, no, I I believe that. Not Barbara, not Janelle, not Inslee. Like, he was just like, I am not here for my son or any of this bullshit. No, I'm going back to wherever in North Carolina I'm from. Totally agree. But, like, it's so obvious Janelle told the right, like, Tanya Brown and was like, eh, you know, like, I don't know, his parents moved away, we didn't talk again. But, like... (laughs) (laughs) And Tanya was just like, it's going in. Yeah, exactly. Tanya was like, eh, well, you know. Um, So, Janelle has the baby, you know, surprise, Andrew doesn't stick around and we find out that Janelle was just so stressed and life was so hard having the baby and you know she let Barbara help and she had no idea Barbara would take the baby away from her (sighs) and she literally says this guys now that I have the advantage of looking back on everything that has happened I wonder if my mother didn't just want to have another child of her own She's always loved kids and seemed happiest when she was mothering us. I was her youngest child who is now old enough to have kids of my own. I wonder if that left her feeling empty. I wonder if she had secretly looked forward to the birth of my child. After all, she was quick to take custody from me and always tried to raise Jace as her own. Next. Like, I can't even deal with that whole narrative. Like, when has... Okay, I'm going to say something that might be mildly controversial, but hear me out. I don't think that Barbara likes mothering Jace the way she does. No. I think that Barbara loves Jace. I think she wants what's best for them. I him, I think that she would take a bullet for that little boy. I really think that she's stepping up because she wants Jace to have a chance to be better than her and Janelle are, but does she want to be in her like mid sixties raising a fucking night or fourth grader? No, no, she, <laughs> she wants to be drunk and hanging out with her friends. Barbara can come drink wine with me anytime, <laughs> but like she can't because she takes care of Jace. And I know that's not what she wanted in her 16 and pregnant. She wasn't happy when Janelle and Nathan took her to that dumbass ice cream shop and got her that waffle cone and told her they were planning a baby two weeks after meeting each other. She wasn't happy and told them I'm not taking on another kid. Like this isn't some labor of love that Barbara is doing. Like she's making a mosaic tile mural or some shit. Like she's raising a human being so that they won't be in foster care bounced around two different abusive and neglective full households like also it, it is not like a happy thing it contradicts her own fucking book because the whole first 50 pages of this is how much barbara is a bitch and she hates being a mom exactly exactly like the there whole... are so many different parts of it that don't make sense like what the fuck are you talking about Tanya slash Janelle. I don't even know who's responsible for that dumb shit. Oh, and by the way, Janelle got on 16 and Pregnant because she was watching season one. And, uh, like, there was an ad, like, are you 16 and Pregnant? And she was like, yeah, I am. And, like, filled out the information and MTV called her the next day. And, like, within a month, she was filming 16 and Pregnant. That's honestly the best origin story for this song, for this song, for this show, because, like, weren't Macy and Farah both looking for, like, model opportunities? Yeah, I don't know like, about Farrah, mom? but literally Macy's mom was looking what at teen fuck? pregnancy modeling. Like, I don't even, I don't even know where, 
I, I don't know who's selling or doing anything for that except MTV. Also, like, no I don't offense, know how, Macy's not that I, pretty. Like, I feel like Farrah, in, in her book, in, like, Deb's book, I'm pretty sure they wrote about having, like, a manager for, like, Christian modeling. I don't know what that oh, means either. I don't I'm know 100% what, sure I don't know what teen mom modeling or Christian modeling is. Yes. But, like, both of them had agents trying to find them work. And Janelle was, like, literally, it's like when you watch Mari and it's like, do you not know who your baby daddy is? Call one eight eight four five mari No, I am 100% sure Farrah had a Christian modeling agency. Like, that tracks. Um, also, a fun fact we learned about this is that Janelle went to modeling classes, which are, like, those classes that you literally pay and they, like, give you headshots and, like, cost so much money and, like, are worthless. <laughs> she went to modeling classes in, like, Oak Island, North Carolina. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so... Janelle presents it as Andrew is like such a mess with drinking that she makes a decision to cut him out of her life, which like, LOL, Andrew cut himself the fuck out. Like Janelle had no part of that. <laughs> because his feelings for her dropped. <laughs> That's one of my favorite fucking quotes from the entire series. Janelle like my feelings never broken for up with a guy dropped. in her life. No. They dump her. Like, which... No, I'm not going to say that. Never mind. <laughs> I mean, it's sad, but, like, Janelle would still be with Andrew, probably, if he would, like, still be with her. Like, she just doesn't have, like, the emotional capacity to leave a boyfriend. And I just love this idea that she's like, Andrew was just drinking so much, and it was just so bad for me and my son, so I made a decision to stop seeing him. More like Andrew was like, bitch, lose my number. Like, <laughs> And even beyond that, like, uh, this is one thing I learned something from this book, Liz. Just like when I read Vapor by Deborah Danielson, I actually learned a couple things. I did not know that Janelle knew that Kiefer was on heroin their entire relationship oh, yeah. until she said it in the book. I like so that. it's just like so you left you left Andrew because he was drinking too much and like I guess he got a DUI or whatever. But Kiefer was slipping into the bathroom and doing fucking heroin and you didn't leave him over that like you in fact you start doing the heroin with him and only left him because you were like yo this heroin shit is a little too much for me like what yeah so here's uh what happens with janelle and jace according to janelle I soon found myself super stressed and worn down. I had just had a baby, sent the father away, and was filming a new series. Oh, because Teen Mom 2 had been picked up at this point. Raising Jace was proving to be more difficult than I expected. Being a mom was hard work. I was tired and needed a break from it all. One night, my mother convinced me to go out with my friends so I could relax. My mother wanted me to relax. I should have been suspicious at the time. My mother wasn't the relaxing type of person, much less the kind of woman to encourage others to enjoy themselves. Least of all, me. I took the bait, however, and went out for that evening with Tori. That's the night I met Kiefer, my next love interest in Roller Coaster Ride. I had a fun night, but... Oh, hold on one second. I had a fun night, but... <laughs> Ugh, see, this is where, like, my highlighting has gone wrong. Basically, she says, but it's a trap, and her mom convinced her to um, give up the baby the next day. She called CPS. Okay, Liz, can I ask you a question? Yeah. 
So when Barbara reads this kind of shit, because I'm sure she will, we saw Janet read a copy of Kale's book. So morbid curiosity gets the best of all of us. Yeah. Do you think Barbara thinks like, oh, my poor child who is so misguided. She's so much like me no. when I was young. Or do you think no. Barbara is just like, what the fuck no. is this? She, she's in full my bitch of a daughter mode. Like... She no, actually Barbara at this point probably like reads that and just starts laughing. Like, is this bitch serious? Just like the rest of us who literally saw Janelle going out every single night on her episode of Sixteen and Pregnant and then Teen Mom every night. Just because I'm pregnant doesn't mean I can't go out. Exactly. That's my Janelle voice. Yeah. So according to Janelle, she had gone out. She was out all night and um. My mother had called Child Protective Services and told them that I was out partying all night and left my son at home. She told them I did this pretty much every night, which was a lie. I tried to tell them she told me to go out, but they wouldn't listen. They gave my mother temporary custody in the light of my actions. My mother had set me up and I had fallen hard for it. To make matters worse, CPS threatened to put my son in foster care if I didn't sign custody of him over to my mom because I wasn't financially stable. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that's the reason. So many, many things about this. Like, I actually briefly worked in family law. Mm-hmm. So there are parts of this, because I worked in a center for the Superior Court that was for self-represented litigants who didn't have lawyers. So we met a lot of Janelles in our time there. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of what she's saying makes kind of sense but you can just really tell that she's telling her version of the story because i swear to god i heard people come into my center and say like oh my my baby daddy is doing this and this and he said that like he's taking me for full custody and shit because when somebody files a cps complaint against you most of the time if they're the other parent or they're the party that's caring for the child a lot CPS will tell you, like, you need to file for full custody and take custody of the child or we will put them in foster care because obviously what's happening right now isn't working. So I believe half of that story, but, like, the whole, like, I went out and my mother, Janelle, like, nobody believes that. I feel like we don't even need to discuss why that didn't fucking happen because we saw it on TV. Like, I believe that CPS was putting pressure on you, Janelle, because you weren't. You weren't being a mother. You literally said, like, Jace doesn't need me. He has my mom. That's not how it works. That's why your mom has custody, dog. Exactly. And, like, I mean, I believe, I don't know, part of me wonders if, like, Janelle believes that she was actually tricked. I definitely think, like, this is going back to what you were saying about when you see somebody who's in active addiction and you're in your rational mind, like, I would have no trouble believing you. If you told me that really in her heart and soul, Janelle believes that she was tricked into giving up Jace, like, it wouldn't be a hard sell for me to think, like, yeah, she probably does think that. But, like, she's rewritten history in her mind yeah. so many different times. She doesn't that even it's know. a whole different story. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I completely agree with that. Um, so she, like, the most annoying part about this book is that she'll be like, but, like, she'll, like, get into something. Like, I was arrested. Well, she tells us how she was arrested for breaking and entering. But she'll, like, get into something and then be like, but you saw that on Teen Mom, so I won't get into it here. And it's like, get into it. I want to know about it. 
the book is such a weird mix of like I'm going to tell you only the things you saw on TV, but I'm also going to completely gloss over them because they were on TV. So it's like, what the fuck is this, Janelle? Yeah. So Janelle goes to rehab because she, like, can't stop failing drug tests for probation, which she's on for getting into a physical fight on camera. Well, not on camera, but, like, on YouTube. You know, that was filmed, and she had been breaking and entering with Kiefer. And, uh... She goes to rehab for weed and writes a diary entry every day. And it's extremely boring, but also kind of interesting because it was she was at a place with like no structure that let her do whatever she wanted. Um, I'm guessing she was at like a facility that wasn't actually inpatient. I'm assuming yeah, she was at she went, she went to one of those like passions of Malibu place that like has the commercials where the yeah. guy's like I used to be an addict like that's not how it works <laughs> yeah so I think she went to what I would call um PHP which is partial hospitalization which is like you go to groups during the day and then at night you like kind of do what you want because she had a cell phone a laptop <laughs> like they went to the movies all the time like like she didn't really seem to be doing a lot of therapy at rehab <laughs> Dude, this whole thing, I have never been to rehab, so I really cannot speak on this like I know what I'm talking about. I've been to two. From every, from every episode of Intervention I've ever seen, they're just like, oh, for 30 days, like, you can't talk to anybody. And Janelle was only there for 30 days, and she was arguing with Kiefer half the time. Like, if I was addicted to drugs, this would not be good for my progress as a person to have yeah. my cell phone no and shit. be able to be on Facebook arguing with my ex-boyfriend's new girl. Like, what? Yeah, so here's one crazy entry. Well, not entry, but, like, explanation. I needed help. That's true. But it wasn't chemistry or therapy that I needed. What I needed was understanding and guidance. I wasn't broken or a waste. I was a human being who made some bad choices and lived a complicated life. The folks at Malibu did their best to diagnose and treat me, but in truth, I needed far more treatment than the staff could provide. I needed TLC. I needed love. (sighs) I feel like I glossed over a lot of these books, and when you read them aloud, like, like I needed TLC. Like, like she, li- like, does this bitch know has never been addicted to drugs? Like, she's like, I didn't need therapy. I needed understanding and guidance. What the fuck do you think therapy is, Janelle? Oh my! God. <laughs> I'm. I have. I really have the giggles over that because it's just like Janelle, you can. There's a world that exists where you can have both of those things, like. I don't know what is wrong with Janelle specifically, but she clearly has, like, attachment and love and validation issues. I think she has, like, attachment disorder, like, reactive attachment disorder. Like, you hear about orphans that are adopted as, like, older children. Like, that's what Janelle has. It's really something close to that. Like, I really believe it. And it's, like, it's almost like she doesn't understand, like... You find a loving relationship through going to therapy and working through your issues. Not everybody, but not everybody has lived the life that you have, Janelle. Like, I'm not even making excuses for Janelle to be like, oh, you know, she's been through so much. But, like, Janelle has had a life. Like, her house burned down when she was a kid because her brother burnt it the fuck down. Yeah. Like, 
there's there is a lot that has happened. There's a lot to unpack with Janelle, which is one of the reasons I find her so interesting. Because yeah. she didn't become like this in a vacuum, but it's almost like even she doesn't realize this. Like, most people will be like, you don't know me, you don't know what I've been through. But Janelle will be like, oh, you don't know me, I've changed. And it's just like, Janelle, what? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, we like, she goes to 30 days of rehab, she gets home, gets right back with Kiefer. Um, I wanted to get into when she talks about her living with this guy that she calls Connor. And, uh, yeah, which I I definitely talked about him in my Janelle Evans side character episode. You guys should go listen to that if you didn't. I did a whole episode on Janelle's side characters. And she says he's like this old guy. He made guitars and he needed a live-in assistant. So she started living with him. And it turns out. What does that mean? So basically what happened is Janelle met this guy, James Duffy. He was a fucking creeper. He was like in his fifties would have Janelle and Tori and all their friends over and he would like fuck all of them and like release pictures of Janelle, like doing lines and like her and Tori (laughs) hooking up and Janelle. This is not funny. No, it is funny. funny. It is funny because it's just so crazy. Do you remember when Tori, I don't even remember where this was. It might have been like Facebook or YouTube or wherever, but Tori put out like a video where she was like, oh yeah, we used to do like everything. I used toys on her and everything. Yeah. Like, Well, at one point Janelle, wait, at one point Janelle, Duffy's and, at one point Janelle and Tori accused James Duffy of having them over for a spaghetti dinner and drugging them. Drug I remember this. This is when Janelle had her own blog that was JanelleEvans.com. So if we add that <sighs> to the list of fucking journal entries, oh, we're up to like 20 now. That blog was so good. Do you remember she would write details about Taylor, Taylor Lewis, Cortland's ex-girlfriend, like being a prostitute? It would write like detailed <gasps> accounts about how Taylor prostituted. that's not funny but didn't tori and janelle okay yeah no i really don't want to start a rumor i don't want to start a rumor but there was a rumor a long time ago on twitter that tori and janelle were prostituting which honestly if they did i really don't care i don't know but is that true is that a thing that happened i don't know if tori was but apparently janelle started prostituting with taylor lewis I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that no, happens because, like, honestly, did. you don't you don't have to sell it. It sells itself. Like, I don't really begrudge Janelle for that. I just feel she was a heroin addict. Like, that's what happened. Like, like it is, and it's kind of like, girl, you're on TV, and this is still what it comes down to. It really shows you that drugs are an equalizer. Yeah. So, um, basically, she said like Connor. She quit Connor's job because he wanted to have sex with her. <laughs> And she says, I will confess to once thinking I had to use sex as a means to keep the man in my life happy. But Connor was never my man. He was a boss at best and an asshole at worst. And to tell the truth, I can do and have done much better than the likes of Connor. What in the world would make him think I would want to sleep with him? Okay, guys. So so she's not going to talk about the naked pictures he released of her on, like, the fucking pier in North Carolina, though? Guys. James Duffy is a fucking lunatic and released hundreds of texts between him and Janelle talking about fucking and Janelle's naked pictures of her fingering herself on a park bench. Like, like you can get online and see Janelle's pussy right now. And it's all thanks to James Duffy. And she wrote in her fucking book that they never had sex. (sighs) 
No, Liz. He just took nude pictures of her in public, and that's it. And like, so, I've yeah. had so many friends who told me they had sugar daddies who took, like, nude pictures of them or, like, just did something like that, but they never had sex. And it's just like, do you all think that we're this stupid? Yeah, and like, you know what, like, really think that we're that dumb. Maybe some sugar babies are like that. It exists. I know that. But not Janelle. And, like, James Duffy released the fucking texts of Janelle being like, you fucked me so good last night. Like, I liked when you used that toy. Like, let's go get new toys that you can use on me. Like, these what? were graphic. What James Duffy and his fucking toys? Because <laughs> he's a creep, gross, older guy. Like, guys, like, James Duffy is like, Google him. He's bald. He's overweight. Like, he's, like, 50. Like, he is the quintessential guy that, like, goes to a sex toy shop. Like, he doesn't get these toys on Amazon. Like, he goes to the Hustler store and is, like, disgusting. What I remember the most about James Duffy is that he used to tweet, like, and post all over the internet really explicit stuff. And one thing he would say is that he would, like, and I'm, I'm sorry, guys, for using this language, but he said he would, like, fuck girls until they passed out and stuff like that. And it's just, like, I have been on Tumblr. I've been on many corners of the internet. And that's what, like, every creepy, like, mid-40s, early-50s guy says. And it's just, like, who thinks that's attractive? Like, who in the world thinks that, like, you, like, fuck me until, like, I get lightheaded and lose consciousness is, like, what I'm going for. Yeah, exactly. He's so gross. So, like, the rest of the book is Janelle, like, talking about heroin. But, like, not even. Like, it's... She gives, like, no detailed accounts. Like, she doesn't explain, like, really what it's like to be a heroin addict. Like, it's the least descriptive shit ever, basically. She's like, I was addicted to heroin. Like, one part of the book, she says, like, I mostly sat around, like, smoking weed, doing heroin, and chilling. Like, (laughs) what? And when she describes, like, detoxing, she's like, it's the worst flu you can have times 10. Like, Liz, I've never done any any drug. Like, I've never done any drug stronger than weed. And I could tell you, like, that is the description I've heard every heroin addict say. So if I wanted to fake being on heroin, I would be like, oh, it's like the flu times 10. Like, what? I would say, actually, I do, like, kind of explain that to people. But, like, that's like your... I say, like, it's, like, I always say, like, it's, imagine the worst flu you've ever had, like, times 100, but then I get into it, like, your legs are so restless, like, you feel like bugs are crawling out of your skin, like, you're throwing up, you're shitting your pants, like, Janelle literally just says that. Just imagine the worst flu you've had times 10. Like, no See, details. that's the part that bothered me, because there was no other expedition. Yeah. Exposition. And she was like, oh, you know, I was vomiting and other, like, unpleasant, like, I forget exactly how she phrases it, but she's like, oh, other unpleasant things are happening. And it's just like, dude, is that that really how you're explaining heroin withdrawal? Like, it was very unpleasant. Like, this is a memoir. I want to, I'm reading this for the unpleasant things. Like, get as gross and as graphic as need be. Absolutely. And like... It's crazy to me that, like, these years pass between the diary entries that we're getting the quotes from. Yeah. And uh, Janelle is just like, oh, almost a year has passed. And it's just like, and she sums it up. And she does a good job of kind of trying to give us a play-by-play. But it's like, if she writes for sarcasm, it's like, oh, these are the things you need to know. It's like, this is your personal story, Janelle. And it's it's so disconnected because I feel like, 
the way it's written and the whole concept just really it doesn't work for Janelle. Like I said before, this should have been Macy. Yeah. Janelle should have done Bulletproof where she just really got into a novel with us and was like, okay, so here's what happened. What had happened was, and I would read that. Janelle's memoir should have been called What Had Happened Was. <laughs> That's true. And then the end of the book, so she like gets into Kiefer, but like barely. She gets into Cortland, but like even less. Like, it, she just gives like no details about anything. Like Dude, this and whole then book could be when about we her get to Nathan and David, it's just like, are you really summarizing Nathan in like two <laughs> She's pages? Like, Janelle, you like, saw that on TV. No big. That was like the best fucking season of Teen Mom. By like, there's like half of the fandom that's really here for like Teen Mom as it was in seasons like one through three for Teen Mom one and two. And there's the other half of the fandom that's just like, no, when they started getting the money and things started getting like weird where they're between normal people and celebrities, that's when it got good. And Nathan was essential in that. Like Janelle's second child was such a huge thing. And I'm really upset that we only got like a page and a half of Nathan because I hate Nathan so much. I had so much to say about him. This whole book should have been from like Kiefer and her getting on heroin to David now. Like, I don't give a fuck about anything else. Like, Janelle and reading, like, her backstory as, like, a kid and being, like, younger and her friends. Like, I thought that was kind of interesting insight to her as a person. But I would kind of be interested in that kind of stuff with any person I met in life. Like, what were you like when you were young? Yeah. I feel like that's kind of like a normal, curious thing. Like, Janelle, we are here for the bullshit. I I know you wrote this book for your fans who are 12, but, like... (laughs) You have to know that the people keeping Teen Mom on the air are the people who just want to see you fail. And it's just like, you wouldn't even give us a teaser, not even a crust of bread. I could write a whole book about her relationship with Cortland, and it would be interesting. (laughs) I believe, okay, I listened to the side characters episode, and just Taylor Lewis by herself, like, I... I, one of my favorite things to do is go on audible.com and like read the books that only have like one comment and three reviews. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I just, I want to get into this shit that probably only eight other people in the world know about. Like, <laughs> I want to know about this one person that existed one time. If there was a Taylor Lewis book, I would probably fucking read it, oh, even though I barely know anything about her. And if Janelle had really, the Cortland era, like, I wasn't even like on Janelle like that but i remember the fucking you streams i was never i never had a fucking you stream account but i remember like people would post them to youtube and she was singing like ransom by little wayne and drake and other random stuff and it's like how high are you janelle like one entire verse of this song is just the alphabet yeah (laughs) and like you're singing it into the camera So what are you doing? Yeah, I just want to quickly go to the end of this book because then we're just going to like do a quick recap. Um, But so the end of the book is a list she made of reasons why she's bipolar when she was in rehab. And it's like, I mean, she's describing her mania and then she writes, hey, but I'm not actually bipolar. I just have PTSD and anxiety. (laughs) Which it's like PTSD, anxiety and a panic disorder and like. I have seen people in real life have panic attacks, and what I've seen Janelle display on Teen Mom 2 is not at all like what I've seen panic attacks looking like. I'm not saying that Janelle doesn't have them, but I'm just saying that's not what I thought they looked like. 
so I'm very skeptical. I'm extremely dubious. Also, I want to know who these therapists that she's worked with since treatment, how she has possibly worked with a therapist or psychiatrist long enough at any period of time to get rid of the bipolar diagnosis and bring on a new diagnosis. Hold on, wait. This is a person I had never even considered about it because I don't think other than the time she was in rehab wearing that stupid fucking tie-dye hoodie (laughs) (laughs) and, like, talking to that psychiatrist in monotone like she always does. I don't think that I can remember a time where she... Because we all know Janelle. If Janelle was really working on her shit and she was in therapy, she would be like, I'm in fucking therapy and you motherfuckers don't know me. And, like, LMFAO with a million O's because that's how she is, like... Exactly. She would be on Twitter saying that she's so much better and she's changed because the old Janelle wouldn't go to therapy. Exactly. And like she did end up going to rehab one more time, which she didn't write about in this book. She went to rehab um, like in between seeing Cortland, like right before she got the abortion, um, like right after Cortland got arrested, she went to rehab for like a week and a half. So I'm assuming that was like the only other time she's seen a therapist. <laughs> that wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I keep meaning to bring this up, but I keep forgetting because we get into so many. <laughs> Janelle just goes so deep. Yeah. There's so many different ways we could go. But, like, when I was reading this book and I was reading all of the scanned pages, it's obvious that, like, she hasn't pursued other, like, mental help in the time that all of this happened until now. But the other thing that really struck me about the scanned pages from her rehab diary is that we, she was in there for like 30 days or whatever, but we don't have an entry from every single day. And I remember a long time ago when I was like on Tumblr deep, somebody had posted, uh, or it might've been teen mom junkies even. Yeah. I, I know what you're talking maybe about. There was a link. So you're the link to all of her diary entries that weren't included in there where she had like a rehab day. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, but that was from this second rehab that she doesn't write about. And also I'm not so okay. sure that, that clears up so much. I'm not so sure that she was actually right now that I've read these old diary entries, I'm not so sure. Okay, so basically these diary entries have leaked of Janelle's from when she was in rehab for the second time that wasn't included in the book. And it's actually like kind of gross. You feel kind of gross when you read them because it's like, it's just no, very absolutely. personal. It's I like, felt bad. I yeah. was like, ugh. Yeah. And um, they look like she's writing a letter to someone. But now that I've read these diary entries, I'm not so sure she was actually writing to somebody else. Yeah, like, Janelle, I I honestly, I think that Janelle's actual diary entries were my favorite part of this because she really talked to me like I was me. Like, I didn't know her at all, and she was just like, okay, so. Yeah, so when you read these leaked diary entries, it seems like she's writing to someone, but now that's how she writes all of her diary entries. So it's possible she was literally just writing in her diary and not writing letters to somebody that never got sent. Yeah, see, that was the only premise that I had ever heard of it, that people were saying, like, oh, these are Janelle's diary entries. Somebody, like, ended up getting their hands on these and just scanned them. And that was the only way that I had ever known them. Because, like, I really think it may have been TMJ now where people were saying, like, you know, this is, like, not that fun anymore because yeah. there's somebody, like, in rehab, like, diarying for themselves, yeah. and I feel bad, like. Yeah, that was in February of, or March of 2013, even though in her book she claims she stopped doing heroin in December of 2012. So, you know, but she went to rehab 
for some reason in February of 2013. You know, who knows? But yeah, that was basically, I feel like overall I gained nothing from Janelle's book and I would have been fine never reading it. I really feel like I am worse for having read that text inside of that PDF. Like, I don't, I like, okay, I said this earlier. People bag on My Teenage Dream Ended by Farrah Abraham because it is not a good book. But she it included bad deets. Book. Like, Farrah got into it. I know what Derek Underwood, rest in peace, I know what his semen smells like. Because yes. Farrah went that extra mile for me. Like, she I really agree. tried to let me know everything. She laid the foundation. and just, <laughs> I you, really... I've read, like... Met her ghostwriter in life and, like, <laughs> talked to her, like, eye to eye. I and it was read, like, this is what I'm trying to get across. I haven't read Farrah all the way through, but I have read, like, you know, like, pretty significant chunks of it. And I agree. Like, Farrah, like, was just like, yeah, I, I had sex with a black guy to get back at Derek, and then he called him an N-word, and that's how I knew he loved me. Like, like she wrote wild shit in her book that Janelle didn't even begin to touch. And this is why Farrah is my favorite. That could be an episode all in, in itself, so we don't have to get into it. But, like, Janelle just didn't bring the same thing, and it's very disappointing because, like I said earlier, we've been waiting years for this book. Like, we wanted this Janelle tell-all because it's like, I want to know what Connor was doing in the sixth grade when Janelle was, like, eight years old. Like, I wanted to know what was going on. I wanted to hear about her face, like, being punched by Ashley's fist. Like, I wanted all of the details. And she was like, oh, me and my sister fist fought every day, but I can't really get into that. Yeah, So agreed. I'll just talk about, like, my stupid high school boyfriend and the time that I overdosed on decongestant medicine. <laughs> oh, we didn't even get into that. Ugh, I can't even deal with it. All right, I need to put Janelle's book to rest it is dead in the ground i will never in my life look at that shit again never but i'll think about it often warmly because of this experience (laughs) because of you liz all right i want to do a quick recap we don't have to go like super deep into it because we've been talking forever Um, And we're only going to talk about the first episode that aired this week because MTV pulled a real fucking fast one on me and did two episodes, which is too much. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in with these girls and now there's five of them. Like, they're really trying that. Yeah, so let's start with Leah. Um, And I don't really want to go scene by scene with Leah because, like, not enough is happening in Leah's segments to do that. There's just not. And I want to talk about how, so this week it was Addie's birthday, and Jeremy and Leah can't have a party together. Fine. Whatever. So they had birthday parties for her on the same fucking day. Who thought that'd be a good idea? I don't know. Like, I taught... Because I will say this because Addie had her first party at the pool. Mm-hmm. Number one, who has a party for a four-year-old at the same time on the same day for two different parties? And number two, who puts the pool first in yeah. those? It was an indoor pool. Like, why would you put that first in there? Like, I was a lifeguard for a lot of years trying to get a kid out of a pool on, like, a fucking Tuesday night when they have to go to school the next day is a task. Like, It's her birthday. You're throwing her a pool party at the age of four. And then at like noon, we have to leave and go to mom's birthday party. Like Addie was 
upset and Jeremy and Brooke are doing this whole like she has Ugh. panic attacks when she leaves things and it's just like she is how old is that is she four. three or four she, she turned four, four now right yeah she has t- tantrums yeah and it's you know toddlers are famous for being a-holes but the thing about being four years old I used to work at preschool for a long time too like kids when they're four years old they kind of finally like wake up like they come alive to the world and they kind of realize like other people have lives around them and all of that kind of thing so like Addie is finally like in touch with the world around her and she's like me and daddy are fucking having fun like why would I want to go home yeah and when when we see her get in the car with Leah she's perfectly content because she's like oh I'm with mom now like she's not stupid she's just like she wants to do what she wants to do yeah it's just it's so Jerry and Brooke have this conversation where they're like she just doesn't want to leave like I just she's she's not just having a tantrum she's having panic attacks it just doesn't make sense and it's like yeah Jeremy because you don't see her for two months and then she has to leave and she's upset like that's how it works and it just I just don't understand like on what planet even if they had like the arcade game in the morning like this is just how four-year-olds work. Like, they don't want to leave wherever they are to go somewhere else. Like, they just don't want exactly. to Like, even time... I've, I've worked with kids for so long, but even when you're trying to take a kid from a situation to do something even more fun... Yeah, they're like, they're just that. like, um, no. I am picking, like, the candy off of this stale gingerbread house in January, and I'm having a good time. I don't want to go to Legoland. Yeah, Until they get so there, and then they're happy. Exactly. It just, I just like, for me, I wouldn't want to have two parties in the same day. That would be a lot for me. And I'm not a four year old. (laughs) I am thinking of myself as a 24 year old. And even then, like, after I have like three drinks at the first party, I'm like, okay, guys. I'm pretty much ready to, like, go home and listen to Feathers in My Hair on my phone. Yeah, so, so I feel, I'm good. Like, Addie, after getting up, I'm really surprised. Because when we saw her leaving Jeremy's party, the thing that I was really afraid of, even though, like, I don't really give a fuck about the teen mom's feelings when they do mm-hmm. stupid shit like this. Like, I was like, it's going to be sad if they go to, like, um, Leah's party and she's really cranky and she's crying the whole time and stuff like that. Because, like, you know, people want to do nice things with their kids. Yeah. <laughs> and even if it's a stupid decision, I don't want people to have a good time. I don't want Addie to be upset. But then she went to Leah's party and she was turned the fuck up. And it was like, okay, so Allie came to play. Addie came to play. Yeah. Like, well, they probably like poured sugar. They probably gave her a Red Bull and we're like, Get, have at it, hon. We've seen like Allie and Aaliyah drinking Red Bull in the backseat of Leah's car when they were like four years old. So I really, really wouldn't be surprised. I mean, but no. either way, Addie was turned, and she made it to four. God willing, she makes it to five. At, at Billy I'm Bob's just here for her all the way. Did you notice the place was called Billy Bob's Wonderland, and it was a knockoff Chuck E. Cheese, and they had the scariest fucking, like, animatronic things? Like those- Dude, I am so scared of animatronic animals and people in costumes. So whenever I see that shit on TV, like through a TV screen, it makes me nervous. Like, this is why I continually give props to Addie, because <laughs> the whole situation was not for me. <laughs> like, I wouldn't have survived. So, yeah, it's just really, I just don't understand, like, why they thought that would be a good idea to do two parties in one day. It just, it's so stupid. And I want to move on to Chelsea, who I'm actually enjoying her scenes this season, because we're seeing, like, 
Chelsea's like, Chelsea all of a sudden has an infant and can't control the narrative in front of MTV anymore. And let's just say I'm living for it. <laughs> like, okay, I'm trying to be so diplomatic because we're on this podcast, but... I think anybody who has ever seen me on Reddit or even when I wrote for Teen Mom Junkies, I don't go easy on Chelsea. I don't <laughs> like her. And I will say it because we share the same name and I I go by Tomlin because I really think that people like her have ruined that first name for me. I hate everything about her. And I love and I live for the fact that MTV is like, okay, no one is going to film you and Cole being happy for another season. We have to make something happen. Like the first episode, we had the thing with Aubrey. And the second episode, we had that like one and a half minute where we were mildly sad about Adam being an asshole. But it's not really news to any of us. So we didn't feel that bad. But love it. Happy regardless. Thank you, MTV. Thank you. Yeah. I just basically, Aubrey's acting out like she's fucking pissed that there's a baby in the house and that she's not getting and i am team aubrey yeah i I am like she's just team aubrey in this and like aubrey i do not i do not like her mother but i'm not one of the like okay people want to talk shit about the kids that's their prerogative that's really just not what i'm into it doesn't like really ruffle my feathers like that unless they're like getting on Allie about shit she can't control mm-hmm. then it upsets me but other than that I'm kind of just like uh, whatever but like you know I've seen people say what they have to say about Aubrey occasionally usually because they don't like Chelsea mm-hmm. and I usually let that slide but in this scenario like I feel where Aubrey is fucking coming from because and I'm sure we're going to get more into this but like when Chelsea talks to her about the issue I feel like she doesn't really connect the dots Dude. in a way that is meaningful. And I can understand why Aubrey would feel some type of way. Like, I really, really do. I really do. I'm not seven years old, so obviously I wouldn't act like that. But, why? like, I, she's 100% how, what I would expect right now. Why doesn't Chelsea get... So Aubrey explains it as, like, she's not sleeping in her own bed. She's, like, scared of everything. Chelsea, like, even says, like... Well, I'm not getting any sleep when I do get sleep. Like, I want to sleep next to my husband. I get it. Like, that's not, like, a bad thing to say. Like, I understand that. But Chelsea takes Aubrey on a drive, which I feel like isn't the best place to have a conversation because, like, they weren't... You need to talk, like, face-to-face with your kid, you know? But whatever. And Aubrey says, well, I just feel sad because when I go to bed, you and Cole and Watson are having fun together. And Watson's so cute. And you guys are just together, and I'm upstairs being bored. Why the fuck does Chelsea not get that Aubrey's saying, I don't feel part of this family, and I feel left out because now you have a new baby, and that's Cole's dad, or Watson's dad. And she's also, like, flipping out about Watson only, Aubrey keeps saying, like, Watson only smiles at Cole, and Chelsea's like, well, that's his dad. And, like, I just... Yeah, okay, I literally wrote this on, in my notes, where Chelsea says, that's his daddy, and it's just like, bro, can you out, bro? Like, can you be any more insensitive to the fact that Adam is on fucking meth, and Aubrey is obviously not seeing him as consistently, because her dad is a meth addict. Like, I'm not saying that to shit on people with drug addictions, but they're not famous for being reliable. Like... And it's just, like, it's so obvious to me what she was saying. She was, like, it was actually kind of heartbreaking for me because she wasn't saying, like, I'm jealous that you guys are having fun. What she meant was, like, 
the three of I don't feel part of what the three of you are doing. And she's jealous yeah, of the and, connection that Watson and Cole already have. And Chelsea isn't getting that at all. Yeah. And even moreover, like, I thought it was really interesting that Aubrey said, like, you guys are having fun and I'm just in my room bored, which Watson is a newborn baby. He is yeah. five days old. No one is up having fun with him. And Aubrey was like, or not Aubrey, Chelsea was like, oh, well, we're the parents and you're the kid and you just have to accept that. Like, she didn't make an effort yeah. to say, like, Watson is a baby. He needs us to care for him. Yeah. We love you so much, Aubrey, but you're a big girl, so you need to go to sleep so you can go to big girl school. Like, yeah, exactly. It, it was just such a weird moment of exactly. just, like, I feel like Chelsea doesn't know how to handle those types of well, things. And I feel like I may have written this down in the episode for the, um, oh, no, I didn't write this down in my notes for this episode. But I said Chelsea and Aubrey are like sisters. Like when you see Randy around, thing. it's really like they're like, because my brother is 11 years older than me, my brother that I'm closest with. And when he was 16, I was like five. And he would bring me around like, his older friends and stuff. And I really feel like a similar dynamic where even now me and my brother are close and we'll like, you know, smoke a cigarette, chat about stuff, but it's still kind of like, even though we're adults, it's clear that he is in the guiding role. And I kind Mm -hmm. of see that same thing for Chelsea and Aubrey when they get older, where it's just like, you know, I'm mom kind of, but grandpa, Papa Randy has like the ultimate authority because we're in like this weird limbo. And it's not really a knock to Chelsea as a mother, but it's just, it's weird to observe how it's so indirect and how she hovers around topics because my mom was more of like, you hear what I'm saying to you and I know you understand it. Yeah. Well, like, so when Chelsea said, like, you have to learn you're a kid and we're the parents and that's how life goes, I'm like, yeah, Chelsea, you should have been teaching Aubrey this since she was a baby and this is your problem and it's because you wanted to be Aubrey's best friend and now there's another kid in the mix and there's Cole in the mix and you need Aubrey to behave and she doesn't fucking respect you as an adult and she expects to be treated as an equal in this house. Yeah, like, one thing that I thought was really interesting about this episode is when Cole came to pick up Watson, and Aubrey was like, oh, did you wash your hands? Like, I don't think you did. And Chelsea was like, you don't need to worry about what he does. Like, that's something that my mom would say to me when I was a kid. Like, you don't need to worry about what grown folks are doing. Yeah, yeah. But, like, that's not ever something I would picture Chelsea saying. So it has to be so confusing for Aubrey to be like, I'm not an equal partner anymore. Like I got fucking cut out. Exactly. The settlement. That's exactly it. Because like your mom said that to you, but from like the time you were three, like I remember like from a very young age, my mom would be like, this isn't a conversation for you. And like, if you would ask like, cause I was always like nosy and obnoxious. And even at like three or four, she'd be like, that's none of your business because you're a child. There was never any like, (laughs) You know what I mean? We are so similar, man. Like I was always trying to be in the Kool-Aid. Never knew the flavor. I mean, I like my. I always like considered myself an adult, and my mom would be like, "I don't think so," and never had a problem. From my whole life, I can remember my mom being like, "It's none of your business," and I'd be like, "Why not?" And she'd be like, "Because it's not. Like, don't worry about it. Like, there wasn't like this law. It wasn't like a." I think everybody understands it wasn't like harsh. It was just like, no, that's none of your business. It's for adults. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But Chelsea now bringing this to Aubrey when she's seven. And I swear to God, if this was three years ago and 
Aubrey said something about that, Chelsea would have laughed and turned to whatever friend was there and been like, isn't it so cute how she talks like that? No, exactly. And, you know, I won't put it all on Chelsea and say it's because she's like, whatever. But I will say that it's a sign of her growing up. But at the same time, it's really hard to grow up with your child when you're trying to make these strides, but you've raised them up until eight years. Because honestly, you raise your kids until about 18, and then you do like a weird nurturing period for two, ten years, and then they're like gone forever. So it's like half of Aubrey's life as a human in this world is knowing how to interact in this one way, and then you add Cole, and then you add another baby, and it all comes in such quick succession, like... I, I understand why she's having a tough time with it. I really do. Like, I really understand Chelsea's frustration towards, like, you know, the little kid things Aubrey is doing being annoying. But I also wrote down here in my notes that Chelsea sounds pissed in her voiceover. Like, she's she sounds like Janelle. She's so monotoned and fucking over it. And, like, if I had just, like, had a baby and, like, my kid was, like being difficult and you know my husband is like laughing when she's throwing tantrums like i would i would be a little over it too with these mtv cameras in my face but it's just kind of funny yeah like the stark difference you see in this season i like it's more vintage chelsea like i used to hate watch teen mom 2 for chelsea because she again was like an alternate version of me (laughs) and i was like this is great like the realness of the situation that I will probably never be in is great. And I'm so glad I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm glad her Pinterest life is falling apart, but I'm glad that we get to see the rough edits, you know? Yeah. I I like totally. I just think it's so interesting because it's like, like you were saying, I just think it's so clear. Chelsea is growing up and this is like part of the problem of having a child when you are a child is that by the time you like mature a tiny little bit and like start to understand parenting, your kid already has like eight to 10 years of like you not being a grown up and you not being mature. And so now Chelsea is like 25 or 26. Chelsea's a little older, I think. And I think she might be 26 this year in September. I think she'll be 26. Um, Jesus. Because she was 18 when Aubrey was born. So she's a little older. That's right. And Adam was like 20. Yeah. So she's a little older than um, some of the other girls in the cast. And I think like, you know, she's going to be like, so let's say she's going to be 26 this year. And she's like, okay, well, like, finally at 26, she's understanding like, oh, it's actually not cute for a kid to talk to the adults like they're an adult. But like, she didn't get that until just now. And so all of a sudden, she's like, oh, this isn't cute, Aubrey, but that's not going to work for Aubrey. Because for eight years, she's been allowed to say whatever the fuck she wanted. And not only has she been allowed, it's been encouraged. Yeah, I'm really interested. Like, I am not one of those people who is, like, rooting for one of the teen mom kids to become a teen mom. But I would just be interesting. I would be interested to see what the dynamic between Chelsea and Aubrey is like when she's, like, a teenager. Because my mom is my best friend in the world. I was very close to her when I was a kid. And even though we stayed close when I was a teenager, like, we got into it. And I would just like to see, like, who, like, Aubrey's Adam is. Yes. Like, hopefully, I pray to God that she never has to meet one. But, like, who is the person that Chelsea can't stand? And I would like Mm -hmm. to see that whole thing come full circle, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's going to, like, let's be real. It's going to be Gracie and Aubrey that have, I think, the 
teenage years that look most like their moms. I don't know if that means I think sure. that Gracie can start fucking fires with her mind. Like, I think I she's going to, like, rob a bank when she turns 16. Yeah. And, I mean, Gracie has it really sad. Like, she, Grandma Sandy was a teen mom. Dawn was a teen mom. Leah was a teen mom. Like, but I, I just think, I think you're absolutely right that I basically what's happening and what we're witnessing is that Chelsea's like now that she's a second kid and I think also Chelsea is like still very concerned about how Cole sees her. Like I don't think Chelsea's very natural around Cole. I don't think she's like fully oh, herself. So we're getting Cole. real in this. And like, we're about to really get real in this bitch, huh? Yeah, we are. Like I don't think Chelsea like likes I still think Chelsea like is I don't think it's being fake. I think she's just like is so kind of obsessed with him and like wants it to work out and is like hyper aware of the fact that they're hashtag goals and so she like, yeah she wants cole to see a good version of her and that includes being a good mom and like so she doesn't want Ch- like she, she aubrey cannot speak to cole that way because that reflects poorly on chelsea to cole do you know what I'm yeah. saying? And like, and I really, I don't want people to take that as like Chelsea is being fake no, or Chelsea is all about a man. We've all had a relationship where like we like somebody and we try to put on the best version of ourselves, like yeah. our Sunday church version of ourselves, where we cross our legs and like I don't move suddenly at the table so that my fork doesn't accidentally clink against the plate, like stupid shit like that, where you want to be like happy with somebody and like comfortable, but at the same time let them know that you're trying. Yeah, and and I, mean, I feel like Chelsea gives moment. off a lot of that, and I feel like I don't feel like Cole. I don't know shit about him, so I don't necessarily Not, know that he's the kind of guy who nothing. needs that. But I feel like he's the kind of guy who really appreciates that because we know that he's very private about being on camera and he probably likes the way he's reflected on camera to be very positive. I don't yeah. think Cole hates the fact that he's the hero of Team no, Mom too. Who would? <laughs> no one. Like who no one. I want to get on television in front of one point two five million people and look great. <laughs> like who's gonna say no to that? Yeah. So, yeah, I just think there's, like, a ton of dynamics, like, that we're actually getting to fucking see, and it's because Chelsea's too fucking tired from the new baby. Are we going to talk about the controversial tweet? I don't even know if it was controversial among Chelsea fans. Chelsea saying that it was bad editing? Yeah, and saying that she didn't actually say that about Aubrey's attitude taking away from Cole's experience. I think that was in the second episode, but let's just, since we're bringing it up, let's just, like, say it real quickly. In the second episode... Chelsea says that, or it appears that Chelsea says that Aubrey's bad attitude is taking away from Cole's experience of being a new dad. But Chelsea claims that was sliced together and it wasn't really like that. And she got a bad edit. Yeah. And in fairness, we did not see Chelsea's lips move as we heard mm-hmm. that like sound bite, which is usually a sign to me that it possibly could have been edited in. Yeah. But at the same time, the soundbite did not sound spliced, like it was uh, conversations put together. So I do believe she said it is taking away from Cole's experience. I just wonder what she was saying that about. Because I don't necessarily think that Chelsea, I mean, Chelsea can be a brat, and maybe she would say that about Aubrey. But I think she's also very conscious of the cameras. Yeah, And that she was talking about something else. 
But no matter, you know, you're probably going to talk about it next week. But no matter what it is, Chelsea, get the fuck off a reality show. Like Macy said during the OG wrap up, if you don't want that shit, whatever it is. Yeah. It'll be fine. Cole's experience is having a baby mama who's on Teen Mom 2. So I love this is Chelsea. all a part of his fucking experience. I love Chelsea getting a bad at it. I'm actually, like, here for it all day. I'm, it, it's it's everything. It's relieving to me. So, yeah. Uh, overall, I've, like, kind of been loving the Chelsea episodes or the Chelsea scenes this season. Because I just, I truly think Chelsea's just too tired to, like, do. Like, there's no way that they weren't having like weird dynamics going on with like, you know, like Cole moving into the house and like Aubrey and Cole adjusting to one another. And like Chelsea went, anyone would. Yeah. But we didn't get to see any of it. Instead. It was like, not at all. Perfect. Oh, it's Aubrey's new dad. We're the happiest family to ever exist. And now Chelsea hasn't slept and she's breastfeeding and she's fucking sick of it and tired. Not sick of breastfeeding, but like just, sick of everything yeah and cole is fucking giggling at aubrey acting up in the car and she's just like not right now not in front of mtv yeah so yeah i love seeing the cracks it's like it's so fucking relieving um let's go on to brianna's segment next i really i these whole two episodes with brianna were so frustrating to me because they insist on dragging out this fake-ass adoption storyline that just is nonsensical. So I want to talk a little bit about just quickly the fact that, okay, so Brianna, for you guys that don't know, has spent the last four years like tweeting the most outrageous shit you can imagine. I mean, I'm sure you can imagine. Outrageous? She got her pussy pussy (laughs) done on Snapchat. Like she would post like herself giving BJs, like tons of porn, like outrageous graphic stuff on Twitter explicit shit about how she wanted to lick Haitian men and how she wanted to give Joe Budden a blowjob and he like curved her on Twitter like Brianna okay Brianna's Twitter and I won't go that deep into it because there's only so deep you can go because she's just dumb and tweeting shit for attention but she is one of those people who will tweet the most outrageous explicit insane shit and then delete her whole Twitter. Not the account. Whole Twitter, so yeah. She'll get Every tweet. she'll download yeah. one of those fucking Google Chrome extensions yeah. that deletes all of your tweets and she'll just still have the same fucking account. So like Brianna said all this wild shit about wanting to get pregnant and like fucking pictures of people like from Tumblr, like those Tumblr porn gifts that you can only see in high quality on yeah. Tumblr yeah. and all that kind of shit. And then she'll just wipe it clean. So there's no evidence of this happening. And only the people who follow teen mom close enough know that it exists. And it's it, it's crazy making like it's actually, it could make you a little insane if you think about it too hard. Yeah. So now we're like watching Brianna on TV be like, soft-spoken and indecisive and isn't sure what she's gonna do and i can't figure out who the real brianna is i can't figure out if she's i hate your brianna impression so much because it's so good i'm just you know i'm just not sure like you've been in florida so long like it's working (laughs) but really like like on the show she's just like this docile puppy that gets like pulled around by whoever's closest to her at the time and i just can't figure out if this person that was tweeting for the last four years like 
Is that how she acted when the camera was... Is that how she was acting in real life? Or was she just tweeting that type of stuff? Or, like... Okay. I just don't know. Dude, like, I really feel like I know Brianna's in real life. And, like, she's wild on Twitter. But, like, if you really read her tweets... And I don't know if you have to be, like, a specific type of person to understand. But a lot of her tweets read, like, boilerplate, like, I think that I'm a bad bitch on Twitter type of things. And then you see Lewis on the show. And it's like, oh, honey, no. (laughs) You met this bald 32-year-old guy at the club. Like, these are not what your tweets sounded like. I really do. And I remember that episode of Teen Mom 3 where she turned, like, 18 and went to the club and was wearing an all-white dress to the club, to a nightclub. She was wearing all-white. I remember that look. She looked good. And that, she was cute, but that told me, like, this girl is not like about the life that she claims like she's not about the gang that she bangs like (laughs) yeah like she she tweets about being out every single night but you know she goes out like two times a year yeah and like we even know i don't know how deeply people know about her life but she has like some office style job and you would never know from the way she tweets you would think she lives off like i don't know like (laughs) meager teen mom fame or something i just found that out like she's apparently had a steady office job for years yeah like she i feel like i don't know maybe it's because i'm from like a larger city so i've known like a lot of girls like her who are super like okay one girl from the bad girls club brandy i talked to jesse about this and she used to love bad girls club but i my ex's sister used to go to high school with a girl from the bad girls club and be like oh she was mad quiet like she wasn't even like that like she got on tv and acted fucking crazy so, like, it's not surprising to me that she's, like, doing the most for attention. That's probably why she's tweeting this shit in the first place. And just being pregnant was a good way to shoehorn herself on TV and get more of it. And when once she gets it, she doesn't know what to do because it's, that's not really how she is, you know? Like, Janelle is an internet person who is really like that in real life, yes. you know? I think that fucking sums it up so well. She, like, wants it, she wants it, she wants it, she gets it, and she's like whoops i don't really oh you want me to do things but like i'm tweeting right now like (laughs) yeah like even when devon was over her house like you see the whole thing in this episode or fuck i'm getting the two episodes mixed up because i watched them both at the same time um so this episode is uh it starts with Brianna and Brittany on the couch and Brianna's like I didn't expect it to be so intense so fast and it's like you new to this family Brianna like did you just yeah Brittany literally says like if you didn't know that you don't even know me and I'm so happy to get a you don't know me from a reality show star I just love Brittany so much Brittany is my perfect team mom character because she's funny she's loud she doesn't give a fuck and she'll talk shit in front of the kids all day long so she's always up to talk shit and i love that i mean it's not great for like nova probably i mean Brittany is like wonderful to nova but let's be real she's like pretty inappropriate in front of nova so it's like in like yeah. the grand scheme of like what's good for nova like the way Brittany acts is like not so great but in the grand scheme of team mom like i'm fucking obsessed with her it's great i will also add to the list that Brittany's Dr. Miami surgery looks great. Brianna's pregnant, so you can't really tell how much work oh she had God, done, but Brittany, Brittany is looking good. 
She got the butt done. Dude, like, her hips. Like, she got the light. She got the stuff. butt, and, like, she got the BBL, so her waist is, like, snatched now. Yeah, and it looks... And it, I was looking at her, and she has, like, right. the big curly hair and the little waist, and I'm like, okay, Brittany, well, like, she, she did just enough and not too much. It looks right on her because she actually has hips and thighs. So she, like... Yeah, her, unlike Brianna, who looks insane. Yeah, so she's not, like... She, I mean, it's kind of like, um, like somebody who has a pretty good BBL. Sometimes it looks crazy, but like an Amber Rose who like actually has hips and thighs. You know what I mean? So you're like, oh, Wait, Amber like, Rose has had a BBL. I genuinely hun, believe that that was her real body. Babe, I'll send you some pics. It's not. I, I mean, it's, like in my heart, I know that I like to believe she was eating some cornbread and just, you know. <laughs> No, but do you know what, like, but it's kind of similar, like, that's why, because she has actual hips and she has thighs, so a butt on it doesn't look crazy, and that's the same thing, like, Brittany has tits, she has hips, she has thighs, so, like, a butt on it looks good, and she just has a tiny little waist, and it actually looks awesome, I agree. So here for it, Brianna, (laughs) I, I have nothing good to say about Brianna, like, because she says these things that seem sensible, but, like... I won't spoil the next episode, but, like, through these two episodes, like, I don't, I really don't want to say this because it sounds so, like, weird and shamey, but it's, like, almost like she gets off on the drama of having these two fucked up relationships, like, and she's just like, oh, I have to deal with Devon, oh, I have to deal with Lewis, oh, I'm only three months away from giving birth, I don't know what to do, and we obviously know she kept the baby named her Stella Star, so it's just, like... What, what are we doing here, Brianna? Because I don't feel like this is just MTV manura- manufacturing a plot line. I feel like she is, oh, well, like, complicit in this. I feel like she's a part of this and trying to, like, drive some kind of something around her. So I totally agree with you that she gets off on it. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that she got the most attention from her mom and her sister when bad things were happening to her. You know, I think, like, Brianna was always the baby. Like, always. Like... And just, like, not even, like, because she is a year, Brittany's a year older than her, right? Brittany's the older sister. And. Yes. And even just, like, physically, Brianna's smaller. Like, the way she speaks is so much quieter than Brittany. Like, so I think it's always been, like, rock, Brianna's Roxanne and Brittany's baby. You know what I mean? Like, Brianna has always been that way. And obviously, Roxanna, like. I can only imagine the type of drama they had in their home growing up. Like, with the yeah, way that and they're that... all they're all so intimately connected. Yes. Like, and like they feed into each other's delusions. Like, there are two things that happen that were interesting to me. Like, when they play into each other. Like, Rihanna's talking about Lewis, and she said, "You put us in this situation, not me." And I guess she's talking about because he cheated on her. But yeah. like. Brianna, you put yourself into the situation when you let some dude who, like, you didn't know thing. at the club fuck you with no protection. like, And then talk I, you out of an like, abortion. Like, shit happens. Shit really happens. And two people end up pregnant. But, like, <laughs> because it takes two to tango. But, like, you're you're saying this like you immaculately concepted and Lewis was supposed to be, like, your St. Joseph. And he just fucked <laughs> off after the angel Gabriel, like, told him what he needed to do. He was like, um, no, that sounds whack. I'm not going to. And then on the other side of that same coin of things being, like, 
like Brianna not taking energy responsibility and then like putting way too much responsibility on the wrong person. They're fucking asking Nova yeah. about the adoption and Nova is five. Yeah, so and she I, obviously is giving the worst advice possible in the situation. I so I think Brianna like didn't come up I don't think MTV came up with this storyline. I think Brianna came up with the storyline to get a reaction out of her mom and her sister. Yeah, like something about it is just like like she wants us to think that she's smarter than she is. <laughs> and she's dumb enough to think that we will be fooled by it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Also, like she thinks we're as dumb as she is and we would believe it. I mean, and on the topic of like them being so intricately involved, like Roxanne is like, I can't do this. I can't raise the baby. It's like, okay, so kick Brianna's ass out of your house. She's a grown yeah, like, woman. Roxanne is living with lupus, which is a very serious, like, yes. autoimmune condition, especially. Like, I don't know how old she is, but, like, Brittany's, like, 25. So, Roxanne is, I'm betting, around 50 or older. Yeah. I don't know if she was a teen mom when Brittany was born. But either way, she's getting up into her middle age. She has, like, a serious condition, and she's probably on medications that make her feel like shit. Like, raising Stella Star should not be her priority. And Brianna is, a, like, I think Brianna's a little older older than me like she 20 she, or a little younger than me 22. like 23 she said 22 on the oh phone. jesus christ yeah. oh my god i don't know when she had a birthday pregnant. since then she was oh, young. jesus christ i feel like i really feel like i remember her being born in 94 i'm not sure what month so she's probably right around like that 22 yeah. 23 cusp but and you know not everybody's life experience is going to be the same but i moved like 3,000 miles away for college like <laughs> when I was 18. Yeah. Like, Brianna, baby or not, is more than old enough to be on her own. I know she got her meager checks from Teen Mom 3, but she could have at least had her own apartment. Like, even she when works. the Teen Mom 1 girls were broke as shit on season 2, like, Farrah had an apartment and was working at a pizza place at Buffalo Wild Wings. They live in Orlando. She, it can, out. she can afford a 1-1 in Orlando. It's not like they live in New York yeah. City. Like, and the fact that Roxanne is like, and this is like, I think they all kind of get off on, like, the, the suffering of one another. You know what I mean? Because, like, like when Lewis, when Lewis, or when Brianna said that Lewis was cheating, like, Roxanne started, like, hysterically crying. Brittany's like, stop it. You're making her more upset. And, like, they're just, like, so interwoven. And, yeah, I, I really, like, it's crazy to hear Roxanne, like, be more stressed about this than Brianna is because, like, there's a solution here, Roxanne, and it's to kick your lazy-ass daughter out of your house. Yeah, and the thing that makes it so hard about this, and I know it's not a reason not to be for firm with your child, because it, like, if you're not firm with them, it's just going to enable them to mooch off you more. It's a really hard place to be in, but, like, when you have a daughter like Brianna, who's pregnant at 15 because she's, like, stupid, yeah. like, when I look at Devon, he looks like a fucking black and mild. <laughs> and like he has no Tomlin. thoughts in his head. <laughs> Tomlin. That is He looks like a fucking cigarillo. He's just tall and skinny and looks like there's nothing inside oh happening God. there. Like he's so <laughs> dumb. <laughs> and she gets pregnant by this idiot and just makes no plans and makes no forward momentum the only person who suffers is nova who looks just like her dad except no but she's so cute 
She is the sweetest little, like, oh my God. Yeah, let's Rihanna talk about them. multiple pictures of her and Devon and said, like, oh, twins. And, like, she looks just like her father. She has her Afro pups, her little smile, her big brown eyes. She's my heart. I love that little girl. So I understand why Roxanne is just like, Brianna is too dumb to function in the actual world. And I just can't let Nova go out like that. Yeah. So they ask Nova, like, how she feels about adoption, and Nova's like, no. And they're like, if we give the baby to another family that wants a baby, would you understand it? And she's like, what? Like, Like, she's sick. And they keep trying to explain it, and Nova is just like, uh, my favorite part where Nova was like, if another family comes here and tries to take the baby, I'll tell them to get out of our house. Yeah, she literally said, if they say they want a baby, (laughs) I say no. Get out of our house. Like, Nova is not with the bullshit. You already told her you were pregnant and that she was going to have a sister. And that's the way it will fucking stay. Yeah. You can't switch shit up like that on a little kid. No. Either, like, you... And if you do, like, you just do. There's no, like, discussion. Like, how will you feel? Like, if Brianna, like, in some alternative universe, like, did make this decision at seven months pregnant, like, I'm giving up this baby. Okay, fine. And you know what you do? You go to Nova and you say, this is what mommy's doing. You don't ask her yeah, fucking exactly. opinion on it. I was just going to say, like, you don't wait until you already gave the baby away. But definitely at eight months, you would let the kid know in an age-appropriate way, this is what's happening. And spin it in some way to be positive. But they were just kind of like, so what if we just give this fucking baby away, bro? Like, there are other there are the families that really want it. Like, they didn't even make it seem like something where it was just like, oh, our family loves the baby so much. God that we, wanted da, the baby da, 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 to be someone you know? else. Like, Jesus needed this baby to be with... I'm sure they're Catholic. Like, Jesus just needed yeah, like, this baby to be with somebody else. You know, you love Jesus, right? Well, we have to follow what he said. Like... So anything, not just like, hey girl, like how are you feeling about this possible idea? She doesn't even know what fucking adoption is. She thought they were going to come into the house and take the baby. Yeah, like, and she was ready to be at the door. Like, um, she literally thought people were going to come into her home and take her little sister because they explained it to her so poorly. Yeah, and the thing about Teen Mom, too, is that, like, we get the other kids, like, Isaac, who's basically, like, a foreign diplomat at the age of seven. And then we have Nova Star, who just turned five years old. Yeah. Like, when we see her in scenes with, like, Brianna, Devon, Brittany, any of her caretakers, she's a little kid. She's, like, jumping up and down in 50% of the scene. Yeah, she's more like Lincoln or Abby. Yeah, like, she's so happy to be awake and alive because she's just (laughs) barely not a toddler anymore. So it's just, like, these are such complex, like, concepts with emotional repercussions, and, like, at the age of five, you know you want to do what the fuck you want to do, and right now no one wants to be a big sister. Yeah, of course. So why you would think you could sell, like, oh, yeah, we we give away the baby and this whole exciting thing that mama's been growing for six months and her belly's been getting big all that shit fuck that like no why would she be on board with that that's boring as shit like she's just gonna go back to school and do what she does every other day yeah and also it shouldn't be presented as like an option in like her opinion it's kind of like when Farah the season was like Sophia where do you want to move LA or San Diego and then Sophia said San Diego and she was like no LA shit 
Oh my gosh! And Brianna just did that shit earlier this season, where she was like, "Do you want to live with me, or do you oh, want to yeah. live with like grandma?" And it's just like Nova is know. not like she's not. This isn't a law firm. She's not a partner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't get to like make business decisions. Like she's a child, yeah. and when you make decisions, you shouldn't be taking in her input. You should be thinking about what's best for her. Yeah, because she's five and she doesn't know what's best for her she thinks ice cream at 9 p.m is best for her i feel like actually out of all the moms kale is the one like on team mom too at least like kaylin is the only one who understands this and we like never see her like presenting options to her kids like that it's always like this is what's happening and i'm not saying it's like bad to like give your kids just like opinions and, like listen to your kids opinions but the reality is like little kids like don't make decisions <laughs> like and yeah you, and it's, it's more stressful give your si- <laughs> for them to do you so. give your kids decisions about stuff that they can decide like do you want to go to grandma's this saturday or would you rather go to the museum with me and daddy like yeah. those those are the kinds of decisions that you can help your kid like make to show them that they have like control over things that affect themselves yeah. Like, things that affect them. Like, do you want to wear this or do you want to wear that? Do you want to go here or you want to go there? Stuff where you already had a pre-decided exactly. list of options that they could choose from. Not like, where do you want to live? Just get to know. Should I give a yeah, baby up like, for adoption? Should I divorce your dad? Like... Because... Like, shit like that, and, you know, a lot of the teen moms are guilty of it. Like, I can't think of specific instances, but I know that Leah has done it. I know Janelle Macy. does it when she's asking Jace, like, oh, do you want to live here? Yeah. Macy does it. Fucking Chelsea does it when she's like, are, are you going to be sad when your dad doesn't come? Like, why the fuck yeah. are you saying that? Like, I swear, why are you, is the Why one. are you talking to kids about shit they cannot control? Like, you give kids options about stuff that they have a real say in yeah like you don't give them options about do you want to move like you know they're not signing the fucking lease like it doesn't it's not up to them exactly kale is really the only one that like doesn't talk to her kids like that you never hear her giving her kids yeah like decisions like that. oh like, and people people will say like it's because kale is controlling and she doesn't listen no, to her kids and all this other like, shit but she's like the one person with boundaries whose yeah. kids know that they're fucking kids like there was one episode a million years ago where isaac was really upset when they were like in the rain his shoes got wet and he was saying he wanted to go back inside and change them and kale was just like no like oh yeah that was lincoln doing the yeah (laughs) yeah and she was like you're doing the most right now like you're fine like you're just upset like we're gonna keep going where we're going and people were like oh that was cold but it's just like you know sometimes you have to let kids know like this is what we're doing and that helps them like help themselves and know not everything is the end of the world like we see where barbara like going off and screaming every Mm -hmm. five seconds got janelle yeah you know and like kale for what it's worth like there's never you know in kale's house like isaac and lincoln have no confusion about like you know they're not allowed to like get in kale's business you know what I mean? And yeah. you know that, like, that Kale has no problem telling her kids, like, this is grown-ups, this is not your business, you can go play in your room now. Like, you know there's no problem yeah. with that in Kale's house. And Kale and Joe do a good job of that, because even though Joe isn't nearly as, like, you know, Kale's kind of the bad cop and Joe is, yeah. like, the nicer good cop dad... Even when they're about to, like, get into a serious conversation, Joe is always the one who's like, Isaac, go to your room, or Isaac, go play, or Isaac, we're not talking to you. 
Hey guys, to hear the rest of this super long episode, come on over to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. Love you so much. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psychos Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos. And come on over to our Facebook page for more discussion.